back, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new episode of the Film Stage Show, the movie review podcast for thefilmstage.com. As always, I'm your host, Brian J. Rowan. With me today, we have Bill Graham. Uh, you can shake me, don't stir me. Okay. okay. <laughs> um, then now I just wish I'd done Bend Me, Shake Me Any Way You Want Me as the intro music instead <laughs> of just like lazily queuing up the Bond theme. Um, but anyway, in addition to Bill Graham, we have Rob and Barr. I like my babies shaken, not stirred. No. What? <laughs> no. <laughs> no to both of them. What the fuck is wrong with you two? What's happening right now? We're maniacs. Yeah. Jesus maniacs. I am, I am too tired to deal with you two right now. All right. Let's, uh, let's see if we can bring balance to the force here. Um, our special guest today to help us talk about No Time to Die is Kyle Turner. I aspire for my aspire for my criticism to be as sharp as Ajab's bowler hat. See, I like that. That's a good one. That's that's what. Why couldn't you all? Jesus. Anyway, oh, we brought the heat. Brian. You just like you threw just Kyle into the deep end. Is what happened right now. We're just like there are no pretensions. There's no warm up period. Just get in the pool. Oh boy. See, I don't want to shake the baby, but I do want to give it a martini just to see what happens. That's fair. <laughs> As a person who routinely brings his daughter to the distillery that he runs, that's fair. I get that. That makes a lot of sense to me. <laughs> All right. Anyway, as I said, this is the Film Stage Show. Uh, we are here to review No Time to Die. It's the latest film in the venerable James Bond franchise. And uh, this one was directed by Kerry Joji Fukunaga, who I pray that I said that name correctly. And um, it stars, as always, Daniel Craig, uh, amongst a bevy of other people, all of whom I am sure we will talk about in their due time. Uh, before we get into it, let's uh, let's fully introduce our, our guest. Kyle, would you like to tell the people at home a little bit about yourself? Uh, well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm so glad to to be on here. You know, as they say, long-time listener, first-time caller, I guess. I was about to say, it's very nice that you say that now <laughs> before you come to regret it at the end. <laughs> <laughs> um. But I, I'm a freelance writer. Um, my, writing, my writing has appeared in Slate, NPR, and the New York Times. And I have been a fan of the James Bond franchise since I was about seven. And uh, my babysitters let me play GoldenEye N64 and then showed me Goldfinger. Hell yeah. N64. Yeah. N64 GoldenEye is like the entry point for a generation. Absolutely. Like, I hear that. And I'm like, oh, someone fucking killed me. <laughs> yep. Yeah, and the little and the blood rivulets kind of floating yeah. uh, or, or dripping down screen. Yep. Big head mode, baby. Yeah. 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 Oh, and that. paintball mode. DK mode, paintball mode, uh, license to kill. Freaking great. Um, mm -hmm. Man with the golden yeah, gun. Yeah, that, that was that was maybe the only fucking video game that I've ever replayed. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Because you had to get yeah. like you had to beat those things to get the cool shit that you could do in the uh, the multiplayer. So, yep. like, you'd go over to a friend's house, right? And if if he was like, oh, I've only been able to get, like, uh, DK mode, you'd slap him. Then you'd go home and you'd get yours so you could get all the <laughs> cool stuff. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway, uh, let's, just, let's just only talk about GoldenEye N64. Well, I think James Bond video games will end up coming up in conversation. Because I, I mean, <clears throat> I have a reference point or, or like somewhat of an idea of, of certain um, texts that I think have informed No Time to Die. There was a, um, 
it's funny you say that. I guess we'll get into it. Yeah, because there there was a there was a James Bond video game that I remember. My big issue with it, even though I played it like crazy, um, was that like every gun shot tracer rounds, <laughs> and it annoyed the shit out of me. Um, and that happens in this movie. Uh, but anyway, let's uh, let's 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 move on. Um, you of course can find us on Twitter at Film Stage Show, Facebook the Film Stage Show. And uh, you can give, uh, give us your money at patreon.com uh, slash the film stage show. And you can email us podcastfilmstage.com. Um, I would also like to say that uh, we are doing a, uh, we have a very special sponsor today. The latest from Reisuke Hamaguchi, Wheel of Fortune and Fantasy, is coming to theaters from Film Movement. The Berlin winner and New York Film Festival selection is a stunning achievement that we at the film stage have called an overwhelming film amongst the best of the year and a beautiful reminder of all the lives being lived in spite of our oddly lifeless time. Don't miss Wheel of Fortune and Fantasy opening this Friday, October 15th in New York and Los Angeles and expanding soon to theaters across the country. Learn more at filmmovement.com. All right. Well, now that we have gone through all of that, uh, is there anything else that we have to talk about before we get into No Time to Die? I get married next week. Or what? No, not next week. Friday. Now it's time to die. <laughs> Bill, uh, wait a second. Can we, can we focus on the fact that Bill said, oh, wait, not next week, Friday? <laughs> I've been saying next week for a while. So, yeah. <laughs> it's old hat. Are you excited? I guess. Wow, I you know. should have said yes a lot faster. Uh, wow. What is wrong with you? I, I'm, and you I'm ready, this is ready gonna to be get recorded. it over This is recorded. I know. Now, Eric has been asking me, like, are, are, are you excited? And I'm like, eh, it's, it's not for me. It's for them. So, you know. It's if it not was up for to me, me, I would just... It's for them. Who is the them in that statement? All the guests? All the family? So you... you so becoming wedded to the presumably love of your life is not for you it's for the guests uh the day is for them the uh you know i mean we already have our marriage license uh oh, okay already, so like legally that's yeah. all locked down and you're good with it <laughs> uh i mean we haven't signed it because oh, okay. you know we we haven't been married yet but no it's it's one of those things where it's kind of <sighs> I'm I'm ready to get this fucking over with because it's stressing her out and <laughs> I'm just sitting here like I don't know this is not a big deal to me and it's like she's like what if it's not perfect what if the guests don't have fun what if it rains and I'm like I can't control any of that shit so you, eh. should, you missed a golden opportunity to do an Alanis Morissette joke and I am very disappointed in you. Am I just on a podcast version of Stephen Sondheim's company? <laughs> you very well could be. Oh, man. All right. Well, Bill is ambivalent about his wedding, so that's fun. Um, <laughs> as for me, this Saturday is an installation distillation at my podcast or my podcast. Holy shit, guys. <laughs> at my distillery. Um, at so my daughter's house. If you're in, If you're in the DZ area and want to come drink and look at art the come to my distillery on saturday um but that's that i think um let's uh let's do it let's dive right in there this this movie is two hours and 43 minutes long 
Let's, and uh, so will this podcast. And, yeah, and we all know that the podcast usually is about the same length as a movie. So let's let's slot waste any more time. We are here again to talk about No Time to Die, the latest film in the James Bond franchise. Uh, this film stars Daniel Craig. Here is the trailer. The past isn't dead. James, fate draws us back together. Now your enemy is my enemy. His name is Seffin. And what does he want? Revenge. Me. When her secret finds its way out, it'll be the death of you. You can imagine why I've come back to play. There's a young lady in Santiago I want you to meet. All right, so that's part of the trailer for No Time to Die, the much-delayed final Daniel Craig chapter of the James Bond franchise. Again, this film directed by Kerry Joji Fukunaga and um, starring Daniel Craig along with a, a lot of other people. Uh, whom shall I name? Uh, Leia Sadu, uh, Rami Malek, uh, Anna de Armas, Lashana uh, Lynch, uh, Ralph Fiennes in there. Wait, it's not Ralph, right? It's Rafe. 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 Ugh. Anyway, Ben was Shaw. His real name is crazy. Do you know what his real name is? Is it crazy? Is it just the word crazy? No, I have to pull it up because it's so freaking long. All right, well, I'm going to keep naming it's, people. Oh. No, no, no. It's Rafe Nathaniel Twizzleton Wickham Fiennes. Twizzleton? Not making that up. Twizzleton. Are you, can we Snopes this? <laughs> I Google it. I'm serious. I refuse to type the word Twizzleton. I'm and just going to take Twizzleton, you at your word. Wycombe, and Fines are double hyphenated. So it's like three words connected. Is he like the second Archduke of Nonchester or something like I that? I think it's some bullshit like that. Fucking British people. Anyway, we also have Ben Wishaw, Naomi Harris, Jeffrey Wright, Christoph Waltz. And I'm going to end this on uh, Billy Magnuson. Because why not? Um, so we're here to talk about it. Uh, we begin, as always, with our basic nutshell thoughts on uh, this. And I guess we can also wrap in just our whole thoughts on the entire Craig franchise. Uh, and we begin with our guest. So, Kyle Turner, what did you think of uh, No Time to Die? And what are your thoughts about uh, the Craig Bonds in totality, if you if you feel like you can sum that up? <laughs> um, well... I know it's a big ass. Yeah. Um, no, no, I, I, um, no time to die is hard to disentangle from the Daniel Craig cycle because I think part of the, the broader project cycle was to deconstruct this piece of iconography. Um, and that involved like humanizing him predicated on, on, trauma basically um Beatrice Larza has a really great essay on the film at Polygon um and I think that being emblematic of like this especially post 9-11 version of of James Bond has been really compelling to watch um over the course of five films I've been especially forgiving of of certain um aestheticized ticks that I think Skyfall has I think Skyfall I, I liked it uh, when it was originally released, but I've sort of um, landed on it being very a very middle brow James Bond film. Um, 
And I think No Time to Die sort of splits the difference between this very blunt kind of uh, utilitarian use of, of a cinematic language to articulate this new James Bond for a new era um, and a little bit more of, of an aestheticized touch that I think Spectre does really quite well is it really leans into um, a tonal ambiguity that has, has or is at least unusual or alien for the Bond films. And I think No Time to Die, as it is trying to wrap things up, does a really interesting job of really fine tuning the exact cinematic grammar that it wants to use to sort of, um, to place James Bond in a 21st century context, both as a film franchise, but also as this character that has a much broader legacy that is rooted in certain um, literary contexts, I guess. Did any of that make sense? I mean, I I I think it did, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so I mostly like No Time to Die. The, the, the short version is I mostly like No Time to Die. I was very, I was cooler on it second time around, um, but mostly enjoyed it. I like how you have this like long dialectic thing, and then you're like three and a half stars, B plus. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well let's uh, let's go to Robin Bar. Robin Bar, what did you think of No Time to Die, and what have you thought of the Craig cycle? I'm going to steal your word. I like calling it a cycle, the Craig cycle. <laughs> The Craig cinematic universe. Um, yeah, you know how mother and um, or the mother. I'm sorry, and uh, you know the comfort. Uh, what is uh, enduring love? All tie into the James Bond franchise. What? Well, you said the Craig cinematic universe. So I just started naming Daniel Craig movies. It's like, yeah, they're all in the same place. It's oh, all I the see. same oh, guy. I thought constantly. you were talking about the mother as like a psycho- psychoanalytic. <laughs> yeah, humor. that's that's where I thought too. Like, <laughs> oh, wow, like the Marion right, yeah. figure. No, it's the uh, it's the Roger Michelle movie, The Mother. In yeah, which yeah. Daniel well, Craig I mean, both could work. Has an affair with his like like girlfriend's mother. I think I can't remember. Yeah, yeah, it and it was yeah. written by the guy who did My Beautiful Laundrette. Yeah. And it's a good movie. You, should, you guys should check it out. He's also very good at Enduring Love. Also Layer Cake. Daniel Craig, good actor. Hot take. Daniel Craig, good actor. Baby face. Ugly baby face. Wow, Jesus Christ. Wow. Is that, is that why you want to shake a baby? Because <laughs> you're like, you look like Daniel Craig. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, Um. okay. So Tell context. Okay. Uh, this was my second ever Bond movie. Uh, the first one was that a gasp? <laughs> yeah, no, that was me yes. laughing, <clears throat> but my throat. It was a gasp up. on my end. Okay. okay, so there was a laugh and a gasp, <laughs> a laughing gasp. Um, so the first one I saw was uh, "Die Another Day," mm-hmm. which was <laughs> came out uh, when I was in ninth grade. I went to see that with my father. And I said, well, this was the stinkiest piece of shit I've ever seen. So I have no interest in this franchise whatsoever. Um, And that was my only experience of it. No, and of course, I tell this story to my husband. He's like, well, you saw literally the worst ever Bond movie. So how could you say that about a whole franchise? But I have it's not I have nothing against the franchise. I mean, I sort of get it. Um, I mean, I've seen the Austin Powers movies, so I have some sense of it. But yeah, this was my first one. And I, I had a, or my first one of the Craig, Craig movies for sure. 
Um, I, I had a good time. Uh, I thought it was fun. I wasn't, I wasn't that bored. I would say, um, you know, as, as we sort of inch toward the climax, I started to not really care that much. I mean, as, uh, as my friend David put it, like gets really plotty in the middle. And that's how I kind of felt like I, I was having a hard time following some of the threads and also because I had not seen any of the Craig movies and I don't really know what the, um, the emotional through line is I, I had to sort of do a lot of um, context clues to sort of figure out what's going on here. I mean, I got that he, you know, was, he loved this woman Vesper Lind and he fell in love with Madeline Swan and she has a past and he thought, I mean, I get all that stuff. It wasn't really hard to pick up. Um, and even some of the other, um, I don't know if they're Easter eggs or fan servicey things, but the, the relationships that he has with each of, of those folks like um, Q and M and you can sort of pick that up without having to have seen the other movies. And I was really interested in what you were saying, Kyle. And one of the reasons I paused after you said, Oh, does that make sense? Is just because I, I took a, I needed a little more time to process it because I had not seen the other movies, but it does make sense that you're describing this in, in a post nine 11 context, which I think is very interesting. And I, I was also really fascinated by whatever Phoebe Waller-Bridge was her contribution to this script. I was really trying to parse through as I was watching it Um, because it didn't, I didn't get like, oh, wow, like there's really great feminist vibes, (laughs) you know, from this movie, which is maybe what I was expecting if she was the script doctor or, or the script contributor. Um, You know, there, there are intriguing female characters. I wasn't overly like, wow, this is, you know, this is like the next phase of the Bond franchise or something. Um, there was some really annoying part actually where, uh, should we talk about Lashana Lynch? Like, is that a considered a spoiler? I have no idea what to no, call no, no. Like that I think has been in the press. Okay. So she, she has been promoted to the new 007 role. Um, well, uh, Daniel Craig's Bond sort of retires from, uh, the Again. Queen service. <laughs> right, exactly. So um if- Lashana Lynch becomes 007 and she's all like prissy about it and very much um, you know, territorial about her her title when he comes back on board to, you know, work with um the you know the organization. And then at some point, I guess like her respect overtakes her own dignity and she's like maybe we should just start calling you 007 again. And she says it in this totally non-ironic way. Like it's, it's like, Oh, you know, you really are the man that I she wish says, I was. Well, what's it's, weird is like, it's just it's his number. It's, it's not even like, it's like calling him like the head, most awesome man in the universe. It's I know, like, but that's the, you know, but, that's the metaphor. Or right. But she's like, I think we should reinstate him as 007. He's earned it. It's like, is that is seven the best one? Is it the top or the bottom like what is the like i don't know if we've ever learned i just thought movies. that was so annoying it was like very you're creating odd. this you're creating this woman to be someone who is fiercely competitive and uh self-possessed and all that and then suddenly like she crumbles for you know this guy it's who's supposed like, to be her ice man you know you can fly my wing anytime i mean i get that moment. it's just but like it's not stupid. earned it's not well it's not done. earned yeah. it's not it was that was just so poorly done so that was <clears> something that really stuck out to me is like is this really what the movie is right 
Well, I mean, this is this film, I think uh, more than any other of the Daniel Craig Bond films is most emblematic of of, I think, being almost too conscious of the things that it wants to change about itself. Mm-hmm. Um, it's caught in this fine between wanting to keep James Bond, the character, relatively consistent over the course of his cinematic career in that he's an alcoholic, he's a womanizer, uh, he is a paid killer from uh, from uh, the, the um, government, basically. Um, and the politics make James Bond, and it's it's clear that the franchise... And that the producers Barbara Broccoli and Michael G. Wilson, who are um, who who produce the Bond films and are heirs to the the Bond fortune, basically because their um, I believe father and stepfather um, Albert R. Cubby Broccoli, one of the original producers. Um, but it's clear that they are aware that James Bond cannot exist in a contemporary cultural climate climate without a mod- without criticism, um, and so they think that the way to forged the path forward is to add these little platitudes and these pieces of lip service without actually having to change anything about James Bond and what he fundamentally represents. Right. It was very the the incremental change in character in that, oh, he respects women now uh, moderately um, is supposed to be their way of, of showing that, they they are aware of what's bad as opposed to really confronting and being really critical of the character and really owning up to that history. It's sort of like I, this weird revisionist thing. I find um, myself asking though, like given sexual liberation and like ethical non-monogamy and stuff like that, like is it impossible for James Bond to exist now? Like, like, if you take away like the I, '60s vibe of like all broads are dumb, I'm gonna slap her if she gets hysterical. <laughs> like James Bond having sex with a bunch of people in a movie is not in and of itself like out of step with current moral climate regarding sexual relations. I mean, there's something called a fucking slut walk nowadays. Like, I don't think anyone gives a shit about him not settling down with a woman. And like social, we, well, this might be you know colored by the pandemic but like having a drink every now and then isn't bad either and i wouldn't call james bond an alcoholic because he doesn't shake if he doesn't get to drink you know he is he like functions without alcohol it's just like in the book not as much well yeah well in the books you know who knows but like like in these movies i think that it is 100 percent possible to maintain you know sleeping with upwards of two women a movie and you know drinking every chance he gets without it having to play retrograde Don Draper style because you can totally respect someone and then still just have meaningless sex with them because that is a thing. And I know I looked it up last week and I can't even remember what it's called, but it's one of those things. It's like not demisexual. It might be like aerosexual or something like that. It's just like being attracted to people who inspire lust in you. That's not demisexual. No, demisexual is when you're attracted to someone who, like, through the intellect. Like, you have to be intellectually No, that's a sapiosexual. Wait, so what's demisexual? Demisexual, demisexual means that you uh, prefer to, to cultivate, like, a sense of 
intimacy. Oh, that's the one. Yeah. Well, anyway, I wasn't saying demisexual was the one where I, you would just, you know, be with someone who is physically attracted to you. But that is one. I found it. I looked it up and now I can't remember what it's called. Do I think a a a character that is a secret agent um, that sometimes drinks and sometimes has uh, a very um, or leads a, a very quote unquote sex positive lifestyle can exist in the world? <laughs> sure. Do I think James Bond can? I think that is a more complicated question because it would to pretend as if James Bond is not inherently linked to British imperialism or a very mm-hmm. specific conceptions of masculinity that were born out of post-World War II, Cold War era um, ideology. Uh, I don't think, I think that is much more difficult to pull off because there is, um, because so much of that political context is what formed James Bond. Like mm-hmm. it is ingrained in the DNA and the character, both in the books and in the films. Um, yeah. But they don't and, really push back against the Britishness of it. Like, that's the thing is like, you know, talking about the steps that are taking to kind of mitigate him or, or, you know, interrogate him. I don't think like, I don't feel as though like jingoistic nationalism has been on their list. Has it? Yes, I I believe so. Yes. I mean, James Bond is, is always talking about queen and country in every film. He, um, as a, when Lashana Lynch has the, um, scientist, um, and he asks where she's bringing him, she says to mother darling or something like that. And that's shorthand for, for MI6. It's shorthand for the British government. Um, and what these films are are dealing with, especially Skyfall, Spectre, and No Time to Die, is the relevance of James Bond not only as a piece of cultural iconography, but also a literal field agent. The fact that field agents are, are at least in our cultural imagine, imagination, a thing of the past. Like, there's people aren't on the field kind of going and shooting up Russians or, or breaking into villains' lairs. Um, in a quote-unquote believable way in the way that they could in the 60s and 70s because that is not how um, war is fought anymore. That's not right. how it was terrorism the, functions anymore. Yeah, that was the whole like crux of Skyfall was basically right. M, is, M, M literally has to go and has make a, a speech, speech in front of Parliament. Yeah. 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 It's a great scene. Anyway, Bill. Robin Barr, you were saying something? Are you... <laughs> oh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I think that kind of hits my main points. Um, I do want to later talk about Rami Malek's character, who was in this movie for about fourteen seconds. Um, uh, this movie I, <laughs> has real palette problems balancing who's in it and how long they're in it and how long they should actually be in it. Yeah, yeah, agreed. So I would like to talk about that in a bit, but I do want to give Bill a chance, and of course, you a chance to give your nutshells. Okay, give us your nuts, Bill. Give us your nutshells. I feel like the nutshells have uh, been roasting over a fire for the last fifteen minutes. So <laughs> I don't even know. I don't what know that what means. we're doing. That's a terrible. I don't know analogy. what we're doing. Yeah. Well. It All is, right. What are your basic thoughts on I this movie, do. and what have you thought of the Craigs in general? So I like this film a lot. Um, I am a very staunch uh, proponent of films being 
under two and a half hours. I feel like if you are over that mark, you really, really need to earn your keep and earn your time. Okay, first of all, I need someone to go back through every episode of this podcast that's ever been made because I'm pretty sure that you usually say two hours. It's usually two hours, but I usually say it's two and a half hours. That is my breaking point where I have to have you on a graded scale now where if you are over, if you are two and a half hours or over, you have to earn your key. Every two minutes is a fifth of a star if it's not like perfect. Pretty much. And that was my biggest issue with uh, Sherlock Holmes, which uh, I think that uh, initial movie was like two and a half hours, maybe even just a little bit over over that and I was like this is fucking bullshit because this is a B movie throughout and it's two and a half hours it doesn't need to be this long so that's that's my whole thing in a nutshell but anyways moving past that uh, I really enjoyed this film uh, I know it is long it felt long and especially by the time we get to this long tracking shot or not tracking shot one or whatever you want to call it, um, it you know I can feel kind of the audience kind of just getting a little haggard and I'm okay with that because in the journey of the film and the journey of this franchise, it very much appears Daniel is (laughs) along with us, um, kind of getting tired towards the end and that's fine. So I enjoyed a lot of the set pieces. I enjoyed the action. I think the biggest two issues I have with this film is that Eva Green is not in it. Uh, that's a that's <laughs> mm-hmm. a bad bad deal because Vesper Lynn I, I watched an interview with Daniel Craig and he was saying that Vesper Lynn kind of is this ghost that kind of haunts all of these films. They couldn't they, they kept trying to write a, a rat or write her out and write away from her and she just kept on creeping back into these films and i feel like that is a because that first film is so fucking good and their relationship and their chemistry is so damn good that yeah of course but i feel like leia sadu I like her as an actress, but she does not work in this film and she hasn't worked in any of these films. She's just, she just does not have any chemistry with him. So that's a big ask for us to have this kind of emotional investment in these two who I, I listened to a podcast that basically said, it looks like him and his daughter are just walking around, you know, (laughs) and I'm just, I'm just like, yeah, like she is an, I don't I don't even know what to say this is. She is not in her early 20s, let's say. She's not in her late 20s. So she is an I guess quote unquote older actress. I don't know what the fuck that means anymore. She's that in is her ludicrous. Like, mid, There's no she's way. in her she's in her mid 36. She's 2 years older than me. What? So She looks like so 29. She was born in 1985. That is the biggest issue here is it's not that she is necessarily that much younger. It's that she looks that much younger. And so that's that's a big issue when you're casting somebody like this that's going to be his love interest. And it's just like, this feels icky. This feels gross. And then people are like, hey, they're like 12 years apart. And you're like, really? Because they look like they're 
30 years Well, apart. the other thing is you you can overcome that if they have a smoldering chemistry. Sure. You know, or yes. and if and if maybe you, you know, she's supposed to be like some brilliant psychologist, but like, I don't know, you know, like, yeah, she just yeah, not, not she's sold. not playing not that, sold on her the gravitas of the age or whatever. Like, yeah, there there is a she just looked too young for the part. If the, if the, she's supposed to be this uh, this professional, I mean, I literally you know, couldn't remember 26. what her character backstory was from from Spectre. I just I had no fucking idea. I like they said at some point, like she's a psychologist, and I was like, has she always been a? <laughs> yeah. like did she go to I mean, grad school? Like I couldn't, I couldn't remember. I was like, her dad was something, and she her dad was Mister White. Yes. Wait. So he was he the guy who who gets shot in the leg at the end of Casino yep. Royale? Yes. Correct. He is the one who sold out. That's her uh, fucking Vesper. dad. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Wait. And he was like a, a a very high up agent inspector. Right. Because he's like the thing you have to know about us is we're everywhere. Yeah. Right. And then that was in Quantum of Solace. And then and then so he just runs into her in Inspector and is like, Hey, I think I fucking shot your dad once. Well, he kills uh, Mr. White in um, in Skyfall, towards the beginning of Skyfall. He does? Or is Sky- <laughs> Skyfall or Spectre? No, I don't think it was Skyfall. I feel like I, re- I, feel like I remember no, it's Skyfall Spectre. pretty it's Spectre well. Because okay. he goes after her in Spectre. Yeah. He, right. Yeah. She, she becomes involved in this story in Spectre. Yes. Film, yeah, Spectre is her uh, first movie. I just couldn't remember like what happened to Mr. White, because I remember... Him getting shot is like the cool end of Casino Royale, right? Mm-hmm. And then, yes. And then I remember the trailer for Quantum of Solace where he's like, "We're everywhere." And then I had no clue what happened to him. And then I know that she came in and her dad was related to Spectre somehow, but I couldn't remember how. I couldn't remember what her life was. I don't even remember at the end of the movie that they were still together. Yeah, 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 but anyway, Spectre's a fucking mess. Yeah, it is. Um, but anyway, so your point is uh, taken that Spectre don't have is good. No, no, that's Kyle. not true. Yes, it is. Spectre's great. Spectre's <laughs> In your opinion, good. that's that's fine. We don't that's have time fine. to I've, litigate I've, all of Spectre I've heard, as well. <laughs> I've, I've heard. I mean, we don't have to kind of, have time to litigate why you're wrong. We have no time to die. <laughs> also, you know. <laughs> uh, but back to my original point. Uh, I don't feel like their chemistry works. I don't feel like that romance works. Uh, I wish. Ava Green uh, either survived or was throughout all of these films. I think these this franchise would be a lot better off if that had happened. Uh, but that being said, I don't get what I wish here. Uh, so the film itself, I feel like Christoph Waltz actually is infinitely better than Rami Malek in this film, even in his you know five minutes of screen time or so. Uh, I feel like everything that they wanted out of Blowfield Inspector, they actually got here. Uh, and yeah, I, other than those two big major <laughs> points about kind of the crux of this film, I don't give a shit. It's still fun. It's still uh, a blast. I enjoyed just about every minute of it. So yeah. Okay. I really didn't like this movie. Um, I there's a lot. I feel like I've already talked a little bit about some of the things I didn't like uh, between Robin and Bill's uh, things. The their thoughts on this. Um, I think it's like a real terrible ending for Craig's James Bond. I think like I think that 
honestly, the whole... And as much as I liked, I loved Skyfall, I loved Casino Royale, Quantum Solace, I don't really remember. Because <laughs> I just quoted the trailer, and I know I've seen the whole movie, but I don't even remember if that line is actually in the movie. Um, I saw Spectre and hated it. I thought Christoph Waltz was terrible. Um, his whole, like, cuckoo thing. I am so fucking tired of these movies that are like, Oh, it's not that this guy's evil. It's that they know each other. Like, they, there's a thing happening here. Like, isn't that weird? And he, his, I've, I have quoted, I am the author of all of your pain in other movies to explain how much I hate them. Because it really does suck when it's like, what is that from? It's from Spectre. <laughs> There's there's a point where I like that line. No, it's so fucking terrible because like it's like, oh, how do we tie together like six disparate, unnecessarily connected movies? What if we reveal there's a guy and he's the guy who did everything, even though we've had like six other bad guys? If we just have this guy waltz in and say, oh, yeah, I hired all them. They were all working for me. And I did this all specifically to you. It's not that you're a capable human being who is thrust into a number of different situations because the world's constantly imperiled from different interests and different uh, objectives, and you just happen to be the only one who can fix it. And so you are really just a ship buffeted by winds coming from all directions. It's that I specifically don't like you, and I would like to fuck your life up. And thank God you became a secret agent, because if you just became like... I don't know, a silver medal winning longboarder, it wouldn't make any sense for me to hate you this much and I would have already killed you. Like, it's so fucking stupid and I hate that this movie continues that. I hate that there's more tying into stuff. I hate that Vesper Lind is still around but only for like the first 20 seconds of this movie. And then I just, I just, like, Bond shouldn't be serialized, you know? Like, I think that's what I've come to understand. I thought Skyfall did a good job of wrestling with the continuity they'd made and even wrestling with the entirety of his legacy, going back to, like, Brosnan, Dalton, Moore, and Connery, and um, Lazenby. I don't know if actually they wrestle with Lazenby, but I know he's in there. But anyway, (laughs) but, like, you know, it's just, it's, like, that was enough. And then after that, you could have finally gotten to just, like, hey, let's have... A loosely connected, not necessarily serialized list of fun things to do. You know, let's find an interesting place. Let's find an interesting thing. Let's give a guy a weird haircut and make him really hard to kill. And let's say, I don't know, he wants a lot of money. And that's why he's doing these things. But instead, they just keep coming back to this well. And I don't like it. And it's so tiring. And I know we keep having these conversations about who should the next Bond be. And I'm going to put my hat in the ring right now saying the next Bond should be anyone who's having fun. Anyone who can smile. Anyone who can bring some, like, joie de vivre to being a globetrotting secret agent. You know, like... Craig, I feel like, only got to laugh, like, six times in this whole fucking franchise. (laughs) And one of them was when someone was hitting his balls with a rope. (laughs) There is that sequence in Cuba that is, that gives you that glimmer. But so that's the problem. I saw that, and I was like... I know. There had to be a moment in the middle of shooting that or cutting it together where everyone turned and looked at each other and said, Oh, we fucked up. Fuck, damn it. Because that was, like, the fun part of the movie. 
Like, that's, like, where the movie is interesting and, like, actually doing cool stuff. And, like, you know, you've got the one character in this movie who's enjoying herself, which is Paloma, played by Ana de Armas. And, like, Bond is able to have some banter with her because she's, like, this wet-behind-the-ears trainee and he doesn't think it's going to go well. But it kind of doesn't, but, like, not in the way you'd expect. And they have this, like, great little chemistry. And then she's like, all right, I'm going to get out of the movie. Maybe next time you should stick around more. And he's like, yeah, would have loved to, but I got to go back to this pouty-eyed, teary-eyed blonde that I guess I kind of am in love with. And this this fucking scar-faced-up guy who I actually don't know exists yet. And there's someone who hates me for no reason. And Billy Magnuson's there. <laughs> and I'm just like, bring us back to Cuba, man. Like, you know, Anna de Armas in this movie is begging to be a, like the quintessential Bond girl. You know, who, who's, who's the one-off for this movie. Gets to come in, steal the fucking show, have a weird double entendre name, make an impact. And then, you know, just not come back the next time. But, you know, who knows? Like, what I just, it's so aggravating. It was so aggravating to see that and to see them and to be like, yes, oh, my God, the movie is alive now. And then for me to remember that I saw a tweet that said she was only in the movie for 10 minutes. And I was like, man, I guess I wonder when I'm going to see the end of her. And then literally they have her character look down the barrel of the camera and say, maybe next time, motherfucker, and then close a door. Anyway, um, all of that is to say I did not enjoy this movie that much. I thought that they were, like, aesthetically, it was kind of nice in some places. I thought some of the action was good. But my God, like, who gives a fuck about, like, a lot of the angst in this movie? And just, like, please can we make Bond fun again? Like, can we, like, go back to the gadgets? Like, can we, can we do, like, a reboot? Can we do a fucking period piece or something? Like, can we not? Ooh, that could be really fun. Like I and you know I know I'm gonna get people who are like, hey man, you should watch Man from Uncle. I know I should. People have told me that. Yes, I haven't you should done watch it yet. Man from Uncle. It's I great. want to, but uh, apparently one of the guys in it might be a cannibal. <laughs> <laughs> but that being said, I didn't like this movie. I'm looking forward to talking about it, um, especially the ending. I just like you know, it's such a it's such a waste. It's such a letdown, and it seemed like they were going to do something interesting. I actually there was a moment where I thought. Oh, if it ends this way, I think that could be really interesting and it could open up that the whatever the next chapter is could tie into this in a very interesting way and keep up with the character study, but without him being the center of it, obviously. And then it, it doesn't really go that direction. And I kind of was just like, oh, great, fine, whatever. And then I left and I had to come home. And I looked at my watch and I said, I'm sorry, Cora, we don't have time to make dinner. Do you want a Happy Meal? And she was so excited. <laughs> so my daughter got a Happy Meal. I think that's the best thing that happened to me or anyone close to me after I saw this movie is that it, it let them get a Happy Meal because I didn't have there was no time for dinner. Anyway, no time, no time to dine because of no time. To, <laughs> yes, no time to dine. <laughs> Because there was no time, I had to see no time to die, and I had no time to see no time to die, uh, there was no time to dine, so we had to go out and get a Happy Meal. But you know what? You know what was funny? I guess they ran out of the uh, the Disney uh, Happy Meal toys, and so they gave her some weird old Scooby-Doo one. She handed it to me and said, can you take this back? And I was like, I don't think I can. I think we just have to throw it away. 
Aww. I know. I really get, what kind of child asked you to take a Happy Meal toy back to the McDonald's? Can you imagine? What was she, what was she gonna get instead? Um, so oh, they've no, been giving Paw out. Patrol? No, they've they've been giving out Disney fifty year anniversary, like Disney World fifty year anniversary, like toys. So it's like she got Jiminy Cricket, and she got like a uh, lady from Lady and the Tramp, and then she gets like a weird shaggy bobblehead. <laughs> and so she was like, "I don't want this. Can you take it back?" And I was like, "I would love to take this back and just like <laughs> go through the drive through and be like, my daughter didn't want this. Can I get an exchange?" But anyway, we're here to talk about No Time to Die. Um, we've talked a lot already. I don't even know what time it is. We've been talking for about 45 minutes. Do we want to just uh, say like, hey, fuck it. Let's do nothing but spoilers from now on just so we can spare yeah, let's anyone. Get it done. Yeah. Okay. So those are our basic thoughts. Uh, and we've, we've had a bit of a discussion. So hopefully you've enjoyed that. And now it's time for us to spoil the hell out of this movie. So this movie is playing now in theaters. I don't think I've said that. Uh, so go and see it if you want. I wouldn't suggest it. It's really quite long. You've got a lot of shit you probably got to do in your life. So, uh, yeah, just uh, don't. Just don't do it. Um, but let's talk about it. What do we want to talk about? He's got a daughter. Well, on your, if I may, on your point of like not liking the dewy-eyed version of James Bond, I get it. Like I like a fun James Bond movie, too. But I was... I found myself quite invested in this, you know, cycle to use that word again, um, because what also compels me about the James Bond franchise is that they are always reactive, not only to the sociopolitical landscape in which they're made, but also to like the cinematic landscape. So like these James Bond movies would not exist or had had the Bourne identity and like sure. the Christopher Nolan Batman movie has not come before. Like they're very, they are very much um, sculpted in a similar way. And though uh, Bourne identity is very clearly like the answer, the American answer to like post 9-11 espionage film, um, the uh, Nolan Batman films, Batman Begins, uh, The Dark Knight, very much a response to like ed, uh, a, a, cultural object that has had like immense longevity um and the uh, attempt to bring that into a contemporary context so like i get it but i also sympathize with the decision to to reorient the series as being like grittier and with uh, the humor sapped out of it um because i don't think that a a what we imagine as a fun James Bond movie would necessarily make sense in the current cinematic landscape. I think if we if a a Brosnan movie or a Roger Moore movie that was just sort of had the same skin on it and um, was released today or even three or four years ago, I think there would be a, a lot of confusion given the way that the tone of the films have developed over the course of. 20 years because honestly the you can kind of see this occurring in the timothy dalton films in the 1980s like there's already a very much a a change in how action filmmaking is being done and how james bond wants to respond to that license to kill in 1989 has like a drug lord um and it's that that like villain is taken or or articulated with a sense of seriousness that was at the time like 
unusual and even alienating to the audience then. Like Timothy Dalton is is very much a a proto-Daniel Craig. So I sympathize with like the, with the tonal approach as a way of deconstructing this like broader or this, this piece of um, cultural iconography that has a lot of political baggage that it wants to unpack. I think, I think, what you're kind of talking about though and kind of talking around is his particular franchise run and its production issues because a he wanted nothing to do with the last two of these films right he only only signed up for this one basically based on kind of the pitch and how much power he had and basically being able to say i i want to write myself out of these films right yeah Uh, but he was also kind of contractually in it because he signed on for four more after casino royale i mean i am sure that they would have been like okay if you're just gonna be sour about it like there are ways to get out of those contracts right like those are not unbreakable and certainly they wouldn't want him back if he didn't want to be back right that would just be a miserable production because as you know if you listen to um carrie uh Joji Fukunaga talk about the production on this. It was basically a year and a half of his life, and then COVID hit, and then he was in the editing bay. So, <laughs> two years of his life is just spent on this film. So, um, and you know, granted, uh, that's not Daniel Craig's, uh, you know, uh, timeline, but I'm sure that was you know it's still a long production and everything like that but i think that is the biggest issue with his run is it has been 15 years and he's only got like what five films out of 15 years that's way too much time there's just there was so when did specter come out so specter came out 2015 so it's been six fucking years since we had a james bond to be that fair is way too long one of those years was because of covid sure yes one of one of the it, one and was, a half. it was it was it was it was ready to go last year so that's sure. right because it was going to be released in like july wasn't it april Oh, it was going to be released in April yeah. last year? It was originally Holy scheduled shit. for November 2019, and they pushed it to April. Oh, that's yeah. right. Yeah, I kept wanting to say, like, November, but then I was like, oh, maybe that was November 2020. Yeah, no, but oh, man, yeah, so, yeah. So, so that's part of it is that there's just too much time in between these. And so I feel like some of the dourness and some of that has been just kind of while we've had all of these other fun things and certainly that's another aspect is that during the time of his run there have been other people kind of stepping on that territory and in particular having more fun if you look at the mission impossible films if you look at the fast and furious franchise if you look at uh the man from uncle which you know only had one but that was and you look at something like kingsman right a lot of these other filmmakers are having fun in this kind of similar wheelhouse of like spies international spies they go to these sexy places they drive these sexy cars they do these sexy things and that's kind of james bond's kind of mo 
right? Um, and I feel like during that time, they've been struggling to how to get away from the Vesper Lind of it all. And it's a shame because honestly, like Casino Royale is probably one of my favorite fucking films, just period. Mm-hmm. Not even James Bond yeah, within the last like 20 20- it's so fucking good. It is so good. And I, I watch it every few years and I don't rewatch a lot of movies, but that movie just draws me back. Part of it is just because it was so unexpected and so different from everything that people were wanting. People were fucking furious about them casting Craig in general. And then that movie showed up and people were just like, fuck this is good. And it was like, yeah, you assholes give it a chance. And so, yeah. Um, I, I, I just utterly love that film and it's a, it's a blast. Like it's fun and it is dour and it is fucking long and it is all of these things that shouldn't be like kind of my bag, but it's absolutely my bag. And I feel like that's the issue is they've had 15 years or whatever long it's been to kind of get this stuff done. And it's just like, Jesus, it, it does feel like a slog and, and I get it, Brian, like, yeah, that, that Cuba sequence right in the middle of this fucking film is just the craziness about that though. And I I was listening to an interview with, uh, with Fukunaga because of the timing of Craig getting injured, they literally shot all of Anna de Armas's scenes without Craig. What? And then they shot it with Craig and then they smashed them together. That's how that entire sequence went down. So he got injured, so he couldn't be on set, you know, and it's just like, what the fuck? And he was just like, yeah, it wasn't ideal. But uh, we made it work. But it was the best part of the movie. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't know. It's it's wild. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Are great. We, are great we done? sequence. Is that what's happening? Yeah. Great. Great sequence in the middle. Uh, that that should have been the whole fucking movie. It should have been. It should have been an hour and a half of them just having fun. Like like give him a fucking rookie. Like, give him her and have her kind of, like, tagging along, learning as she goes, and him being like, well, I work for MI6 and you work for the CIA, so this isn't going to be a long-term thing, but, all right, fuck it. Like, come on. And let's go have some fun, right? Yeah. Um, and in, in terms of, you know, the kind of feminist of it all, uh, Robin, kind of to your point, where where is uh, you know Phoebe Waller Bridge's mm-hmm. uh, input and stuff like that? I think it's with her, and I think it's with uh, Lashana Lynch's introduction, where he thinks that he's being solicited by them, right? And they're like, "No, dude, like, <laughs> like, yeah, you're attractive and you're and you're big and you're beautiful, but." No, that's not what this is about, right? And so I think that's kind of one of those. And it, the fact that it happens twice in this film kind of is like, all right, man, <laughs> you know, like it's not always going to go your way. Yeah, I mean, I, I saw that as well. Um, I I don't know. I, I agree that that was probably the most fun sequence, the, this part in Cuba. I 
guess I'm just also one of those people that is like a little bit annoyed by Ana de Armas. So wow, I, okay, that's wow. the most controversial thing that's ever been said on this <laughs> podcast. I know she's like bubbly and effervescent and lovable and beautiful and all that, but I'm also like a little bit cringe at her. I don't know why. Why you think she's what is that word, Bill? That I have never said out loud, but it's from TikTok and it's like chew, chewy, 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 chewy. Okay, chewy, yeah, chewy. I don't know. I don't think she's chewy per se. I, mm, I mean, she's I'm putting quite you beautiful. on blast for that. You're putting which <laughs> one of us on blast? Is chewy Robin Barr? Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, yeah. Tweet that out. Is. Let's try to get some people on her. Live, live tweet it. Live tweet it. <laughs> I, I think she's quite beautiful. Uh, she has good comic timing. I mean, you just don't have to like everybody who's good at their job. I feel like you <laughs> should. That encourages people to be good at their jobs. <laughs> I suppose. I don't know. I was very interested. We haven't even talked about the plot. No, the plot's is, bullshit. I mean, it is bullshit, <laughs> but it's kind of interesting. Here's, here's, here's the deal, though. Like, honestly... All of uh, like James Bond as a film franchise. Yes, Ian Fleming wrote all of these novels that all of these things are kind of loosely based on, and they kind of recycle them. Blah 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 blah. Uh, if you ask most people, "Hey, did you enjoy the plot of that movie?" They're going to go, "What? No, you mean the things that go boom and bang, and the car, and and the women, and and the fun?" Yeah, I love no, it. I, I love how Lashifra like, lost a bunch of money and he had to get it back to pay back the terrorists who use him as a banker. So he set up yes. a card game mm-hmm, that to was win it at high stakes great. poker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we it's, love it's that. kind of yeah, it's like it's a pyramid one of those game. Right, no, it's like he's <laughs> it's like a Ponzi scheme, yeah, except yeah, Ponzi he's got to win a game of chance to run with the money. Uh, it's a game of skill, excuse me. There is some skill involved. That is true, yes. There's I'm lots sorry. of skill involved. There's yeah, a lot there's of skill the, involved. Yeah, yeah there, also, there is. But at the same that's time, why, like, you know, you play the hand win. you're dealt. Sure, but you just got to be good at that, right? So correct, good, good with numbers. But uh, yeah, no, like it, the plots of these films are not necessarily the draw. It is all about the destination, the women, the cars, the gadgets, and the fun. Like that's that's it. You could write that on the back of of a of a business card, right? Which right? that kind of makes like, me even more upset that they like tried to get us to care so much about Madeline Swan. When honestly, like I am, I I'm I'm still like. How dare this this woman take him to somewhere in Italy, this friggin' awesome city that's luckily made of stone because people are just throwing burning wreckage around. Um, <laughs> and he, she's like, your fucking dead girlfriend's buried in the Acropolis. Go get over her so we can be in love now. And he's like, all right, I guess so. <laughs> and then she goes and weird. the fucking tomb explodes, which is not ideal. Okay. <laughs> and he... Ca- I have a theory, if I may. Please, yes, okay. with the theories, I love it. I do think this is, I know this is a stretch, but I, I do think that like the No Time to Die is sort of analogous to the Age of Innocence. And as much as like, oh boy, this is, I am explaining away <laughs> the fact that Leia Sado has no chemistry with Daniel Craig. But um, if we're reading like the, the most of these Daniel Craig movies as being like, predicated on like his undying grief and his ceaseless grief over Vesper Lind. I think Malin Swan is this placeholder that he's settling for and just as a way of having any kind of attachment to anything. Okay. Okay. Because of the Okay, okay, okay. However, I'm sort of getting if, this. If wait that's a minute. The case, hold on a second. Wait, Robin, when you say wait a minute, hold on a second, do you want to speak or do you know how to think about something? 
so what you're saying is that okay like when Sirius Black died Remus Lupin was so <laughs> sad that he ended up marrying Tonks is that what you're saying yes okay okay what is you. a Tonks Harry Potter. Harry Potter I'm looking this up T-O-N-K-S I think Madeline Swan is James Bond's rebound Nymphadora okay. Fucking and mother she does, and Tonks. And he leaves her and she gives birth to his baby. Nymphadora yeah. Tonks gave yes. birth to Lupin's baby? Yeah. Yeah. Wait, so that is literally James Bond in yeah. No Time to yeah. Die. Yeah, and Vesper Lind is Sirius Black, his true love. Okay. Here, I didn't okay. realize that you were a Harry Potter person, Robin. Oh, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like the OG. <laughs> oh my Christ. You know what I just realized? My fucking ex-wife's mother asks that my daughter call her Tonks instead of like grandma. And so is it, I guess it's because of this Nymphadora Tonks woman. Is your yeah. mother-in-law's name Nymphadora? Yeah, that's what 100% what her name is. I'm not really? gonna, I'm not gonna, no, it's not. I'm not gonna dox wow. my ex-mother-in-law. <laughs> I'm curious why she wants to be called Tonks. I don't know. Is that a good character? Yeah. It's a fun character. Yeah, she's, she's good. Because I, I don't like know. For, I, I googled Tonks, and then the, the between the way that the character looks and the name Nymphadora, I assumed she was evil. No, no. not at all. She, she's lovely. Very, I think she kind of sucks good. in the movie series, but oh, she's well, very sorry. great in the books. Well, I don't know shit about Harry Potter and the Curse of the... Anyways, I think um, the, like, the cycle of the Craig movies is that he's like tr- always trying to get over it. And it's always going to be betrayed and he's always going to end up as this calcified shell of person. And I get okay. that it's like not fun to watch after five movies and the sort of self-seriousness of them does get a little grating, which is why I like Spectre, honestly, because I don't think that one is self-serious. I think it's aware of its pretension. Spectre becomes very close to being a good movie when he's like strapped into a chair and he's getting drills put in him because it's like, oh, hey, we're back in like James Bond territory. Like, this is fun. You know, but then that yeah, doesn't... but I like also like it's sort of artsier <clears throat> things. I think it's it it well, that's why I like Skyfall. All of these non sequiturs that make up the dialogue, and it's like, oh, we truly don't care what's going on. We are really going for, and um, we're going like tone tone forward, like the we are really mashing up like this idea of what James Bond what a James Bond movie is supposed to look like and this idea of, of James Bond style and really pushing it so that it's hazy and opaque and um, is using all this very on the nose uh, uh, imagery. And I love that. I love see, that I, it's like, it uh, is, let me, it, it's like a very, very pretentious pulp novel. No, see, that's what I love about, that's what I love about Skyfall. Cause Skyfall's got like a weird preposterous story and it's got and it, it does do that thing where it's like, oh, this person's mad at him. But like, you know, it there is there is an archness to Javier Bardem's performance and there is an art artsiness to it. When you know, like that whole there? scene with the LED screens and like there's the blue and everything. And then but it's also it's also got a joke about wasted scotch once uh, one of the Bond girls is killed. And it's clear that Daniel Craig is upset, but he's trying to hold on to his mask. Um, but also he jumps on a fucking Komodo dragon. Like <laughs> There's so much good shit in Skyfall, and he doesn't jump off of one large reptile in this entire movie, and that is a problem for me. Um, 
Okay, but I, to address to address what you're saying, Age of Innocence, she's a placeholder. I think that only works if if at the end when the fucking rockets are coming, when we get you know penultimate episode of the leftovers style, you know the the rockets coming to destroy everything. He's like, oh, Madeline Swan, and this you know, <laughs> I almost said bastard child. <laughs> yeah why not let's just do it this bastard child of ours i wish i'd had time to know and i've got her to do um you know but he's he's like oh man i love you you know she's got my eyes yep yep if if you really wanted it to still be a vesper lynn thing if you really wanted it to be like this is the only way he can die because he is again calcified as you said like you know the gutting of vesper allowed him to go and sleep with many beautiful women without ever gaining an emotional attachment and it hardened him to the point that he could kill without remorse literally hundreds of people, you know, then he should be there alone and maybe like, I don't know, whisper the name Vespa or Vespa. Vesper. Vesper. I know. I'm sorry. I watched Luca again recently. Vesper, I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, he should be up there or, you know, and you could even have some stupid magic realism thing where like she sits down next to him. And is like, you know, hey, we're going to get to hang out again. And he's going to be like, yeah, that sounds great. But like, it's just weird to be like, you know, he's clearly a man who's torn up because of what happened with Vesper. Also, he's 100% (laughs) actually in love with Madeline, last name redacted, because I can't remember it. And her daughter, who he's known for 46 hours, 44 of which she's been in mortal peril. (laughs) He does put her in a lot of danger. Yeah, this film. Um, How does no one get, know that she has a child? No, I don't know. Why is she it, that, that's, in that's just England? Why is she in England, like dealing with a uh, fucking Blofeld? It also has her sweet little like Nordic house with its loft bedroom for her daughter. Well, and no I mean, one knows that is, her daughter exists. She, she is the daughter of a arms dealer and all of that shit. So, you know, I guess she just got a lot of money. I guess. I assume that thing is, is probably off the grid and it's just sitting there and it's got solar energy and all of this other shit and it's just good to go. Speaking right, of having like, a lot of money, at some point we will have to talk about Rami Malek's ethnically ambiguous. Yeah, Lucifer can we please just get into Saffin. it? Because what the fuck? Well, does anyone have anything to say about my uh, annoyance? Like, or I, you know, not anyone. Let's let's be real. I was specifically talking to Kyle. Like, Kyle, does my does my pushing back against your Age of Innocence thing make sense? Given the way that he dies, still apparently sure, in love with Leia Sadu. Yes. Yes. The, I mean, yeah. My theory is a stretch. My theory is a way to explain away, like. The like the to for me the biggest flaw of the film is that if you want that emotional payoff of his death to work and his death is um, his him resigning himself to wanting to protect what is left of his legacy and his family yada 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 that is I think rests on caring about his family and I just like don't care about Mm -hmm. Leia Sado and I don't care about her kid Matilde. And it's a shame because, like, although I agree that this idea of an action hero having to choose between family and his job is not very interesting anymore, I am personally interested in it in as much as, like, James Bond is defined as a character, as someone who 
cannot have attachments. Like that is mm-hmm. part of his job. And and also very much informed by the death of Vesper Lind in the books. Um, he does, uh, he like falls in love a lot, but none of that love is as meaningful as that first relationship. Um, and because they have been, they have done a poor job making those relationships and making those, uh, making that chemistry matter and feel um, palpable between Daniel Craig and any other actor that has followed um, Ava Green. I just, it's, it's hard to care about that aspect of, of interrogating that character. You know what? Yeah. So this is just a place for me to put like I, the whole movie. I was positive that he was going to become the next M. Mm, I really no. did. Like, Fuck no. Like the, I, when, I just can't see him he, him signing off on that. Yes, my last act as James Bond, I want to become the fucking <laughs> the guy behind the Well, so the, here's the, the I the feel desk. like, like M didn't used no. to be as fucking involved in these movies. M used to just be like, hey, what up? I'm here for two days to shoot this scene where I tell you to go fix something. And then like, you know, tomorrow we'll shoot the scene where I say, good work, 007. Um, I, I think I think Rafe was still in this for two days as well. But right, yeah. that's what I. Well, that's a good point. I, I, I get like, you. I when, get you. But him sitting in there and Rafe finds is playing M in that first scene where they're together as a man who is literally like on his last thread of sanity. Like there is, he's like takes like seven drinks of scotch. <laughs> and when James that, says like yeah. Christ, you're thirsty today or something, uh-huh. and you know Rafe finds is like ah. I was like, oh, I understand. Uh, he busted this whole uh, Heracles nanobot thing to kill Spectre and didn't realize that, like, you know, the evil, quote unquote, evil plan of the British government was going to backfire because then this guy would also go and hang out with someone else and do stuff. So I thought he was going to, like, have to die or go to prison at some point. And then when they introduced the daughter, I was like, oh, is it? Wouldn't it be fucking amazing if at the end of this movie, it wasn't that he died or something or that like they just, you know, he retires or whatever. And I don't know how they're going to set up the next actor. I assume that they're just going to reset everything. Oh, you know, yeah. Because usually James Bond, he was just like, hey, it's just a James Bond movie. There's no continuity. But now I'm worried they're going to cling to continuity. But I was like, wouldn't it be cool if James Bond 007 is now just M? You know, and uh, and he, you know, he chooses like, hey, I'm going to be I'm going to I'm going to leave behind the, the, the sexing around and the drinking and I'm going to settle down and become a family man. Like, wouldn't that be an interesting twist for this character? Like, you know, the next great step forward is to attempt to live what as close to can be a normal life after all the damage he's chosen and to choose that rather than to die or to keep going until he is killed by someone at last, you know, and instead mm-hmm. it's just like, yeah, we're just going to hit him with a bunch of missiles. Well, I think I think that is kind of the unwritten thing about James Bond is there is no conclusion to every other actor. Right. Uh, right. Except for Daniel Craig's. And so I think the idea is, yes, they do go into retirement and they do become probably a cog uh, in the machine in some way. Maybe they become a trainer. Maybe they become who knows? Maybe they are M. Right. You, you just don't know. Um, but I, 
you know, kind of going back to Kyle's overall point and kind of, you know, uh, the way that they kind of fumbled the end here, I found it very interesting that, yes, I, I as well did not tear up, did not necessarily get emotional when they have this kind of beautiful callback to uh, The Rock where he's sitting on this ledge and here comes the rockets and all of this. But I did get teary-eyed and I did get emotional when they say that final goodbye to him. And part of that is because of, you know, the Logan aspect of this, right? We know it's their last ride. We know this is kind of his big farewell. And so in a way, it's like, here's the characters that kind of knew him, blah, 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 right? Uh Lashana Lynch, uh, I don't know what you're necessarily doing there because <laughs> you don't know him. But other than that, you know, everybody's saying their farewell to this James Bond. And I was like, wow, okay. That was that was a satisfying conclusion if we had to conclude this very messy uh, we shouldn't have done this, but we did it and we <laughs> made it continuous, a, a storyline that kind of bled through all of these films. Um, but, so I so, guess to that, yeah. so is, is anyone satisfied with his death and the, the, the way in which he died? I, I think Ish. it's, yeah, I, I'm, I'm fine with it, but <laughs> just don't make me, don't make me care that. Uh, it's Leia Sadu on the right. end of that phone. Like, right. I'm I'm fine with him being like, this is the woman that I wanted to be with. Right in in the film's continuity, this is who he wants to be with. He can't be with her because if he literally if he is, she will die. Right, and it's like, okay, then I guess I'm. Like, what else am I going to do? I'm not going to try and rescue myself. I'm just going to fucking make sure this shit happens. And so that's that's what he does. And I'm okay with that. So. Right. I think I, I land much in the same place. Um, I was, like, genuinely surprised that they committed to it, though. So that is not something that they do. They do fake outs. Um, yeah, but, I was I was and, kind of expecting that. And like, I couldn't decide what would I mean, once it was clear that he was going to die, I couldn't decide what would make me angrier if he died or if he supposedly died and then came back somehow. So I was just like, well, yeah. I'm going to hate this movie no matter what. So I guess this is where we're at. <laughs> <laughs> but so I, I guess my question is, what's next? Who fucking who the cares? Fuck knows? Like, <laughs> I care. I like these. And I, I, don't, I do. I, I do. I do have a question for Kyle and Robin. We'll, we'll, we'll get. We'll get back to you. We still got to talk on about Rami Malek, which I know yeah, Robin is I really, really itching really. for. <laughs> I, I. I don't necessarily have to talk about him, uh, Kyle. So you know, it sounds like you've you've uh, read quite a few of the novels and stuff like that, right? Yes, not in a while, but I have. Okay, so. Is there any continuity in the novels? Is it is it just James is on a new adventure and because I do know Spectre or I don't know if Spectre is a part of it, but I know Blofeld is in several films in the originals, right, and also in several of the novels. But that's about the only real like long-term kind of continuity that they have otherwise it, it, there's not a lot of like sh- 
strictly I have to know what happened in the last novel to be filled in with this novel, right? Right. There's they are the films mostly mirror, especially the early Connery films. Connery films mirror the self-contained nature of the novels in that there are certain characters that do pop up from time to time, or there are like smaller threads that do uh, that have mild consequences, but you can kind of go in without having read all of them. You can Mm -hmm. go in at any point, even though like, yes, he does get married and his wife gets killed in honor majesty's secret service, which is also like a very central source or, or, um, um, text that informs no time to die. Um, he gets married in you only live twice. Uh, he gets betrayed in, in casino morale. And those do their, their, um, consequences do find themselves in the subsequent books, uh, whatever follows those, but it is not so tied to them that you need to have read the one that immediately precedes it to understand mm-hmm. what the mission is or anything. Yeah. And I, I, so it is interesting because I think, and it doesn't seem like they necessarily ended Casino Royale with the intention that they were going to continue telling that kind of specific story. Right. And Quantum of Solace is what it is because it was also during the writer strike. I think Craig has very famously been like, look, I, I tried to help the best I could <laughs> during that time period while we were like scripting that film out and, uh, you know, sorry guys. Uh, <laughs> so I don't know how much we can kind of, you know, throw that one up as just a, a, okay, you know, that's, that's a scratch. Right. Um, but it is interesting that they kind of went from that one and then, uh, Skyfall was next, right? Yes, Skyfall, and then Spectre, and then No Time to Die. I, I can see yeah. a world in which um, they did not necessarily go the route that they did in as much as uh, the five films being so interconnected. But I do think that Casino Royale was there to function as an explanation of why James Bond was the way that he a was womanizer and, yeah. and stuff like he, that and a broken man yes he had to yes, be broken absolutely. in order to explain um why why we understand him as this uh calcified stony world weary character um mm-hmm. but i i can imagine a world where like they had that and then that sort of is treated or or has like Loose some ties. lasting impact yes but yes but not to the degree that there's a a continuation or serialization. Yeah. But I would have been happy either way. I will watch these movies for the rest of my life, even if they are not very good. They are the movies that remind me why I love movies, even when they're, even when they're frustrating. That's just weird to me considering like how far off they are from like the movies they've used to be like, it's just, it, it, this, this movie especially felt like, I don't even know why this is a, James Bond movie, except for the fact that at some point he gets a fucking awesome watch. Uh, I mean, it's still got the gadgets. It, it's going back to Jamaica, which a lot yeah. of people were really, you know, enthused about. Uh, people, I'm sorry, people were like, "Oh fuck, he's going back to Jamaica." 
No, no. Well, the, the character is going back to Jamaica. Very right. Uh, right. Not, what does that have to do with Craig? Uh, well, so that's Ian is- Fleming. Ian Fleming is that's where he retired and that's where he lived out a lot of his life after retiring from the British mm-hmm. Secret Service. That's and where he wrote a it, bunch of the books. Yeah. In a super the, cool house with no walls. <laughs> in a, with a shower I, that's in the middle of some trees. I have you know, I have been to the to Ian Fleming's estate. Um it's it, he has like a writing desk that faces the water. It's very lovely. Mm. I would have a writing yeah. desk that faces the water too if I were near the water. <laughs> if I lived writing. in Jamaica, yeah. Um, okay, uh, so let's. But yeah, let's... So, so that's that's part of it. Like, I mean, it's 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 got the world traveling. He goes to Cuba. He goes to Jamaica. He goes to all of these different places. Right? I mean, but it's, so does Ethan it's got Hunt. the cars. I mean, it's got the DB but... DB five. Like you know, it it actually has more than just the DB five because it also has. Uh, one of the later Jaguars that I couldn't recognize. It's probably like a DB seven or Jaguar. Jaguar. Uh, <laughs> Aston Martin. Um, but yeah, he's got multiple Aston Martins throughout this film. Um, it's got the, the cool ass plane that turns into a submarine. Like that's right, cool. Right. I will tell you why this is, had to be a James Bond movie, even though it in its form, it looks and feels so different than the like 20 films before Daniel Craig's tenure. And I, th- I think the reason why is, unlike Mission Impossible and unlike The Fast and the Furious, and un- I think mostly unlike Kingsman, I haven't watched past the first one. Yeah, these like the James the Bond movies are rooted, even though they are a fantasy, they are still rooted in like a grain of truth as to like what real world geopolitical um, tension is like. Um, even if they... Stri- stray and diverge from from how like realistic that may or may not be they're still dealing with like real countries and real nation states that have real tension with one another um Mm -hmm. and i i think that has is what makes a james bond movie a james bond movie besides like all that like archetypical stuff because like the fantasy of james bond is not just like a cool secret asian that globe trots but one person who can settle all these like real world geopolitical scores and also maintain a kind of imperial order. And what these films are dealing with messily, I agree it's imperfect and it's sometimes not fun to watch, although I enjoy myself. Um, But what these films are dealing with is that like, you don't have one person doing that anymore. That doesn't make sense. And Mm -hmm. that is not Take away their license to kill. Right. right. That that is not how international relations, even in its fantasy, functions anymore. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's spend the next hour talking about Rami Malik. No. <laughs> nope. Nope. Lucifer. I'm Lucifer. sorry, but we have only yeah. been talking for an hour and twenty two minutes, and we need to get to two hours and forty three minutes. So correct, Robin. You're right. It's an hour and twenty one <laughs> minutes talking about Rami Malik <laughs> as Lucifer Seven. I mean, the problem is that his <laughs> character Malik. was so built up. First of all, I'm pretty sure it's Rami. Doesn't yeah, it's Rami. It is. Okay, Rami Malek. Uh, the problem is that he's played by Rami Malek. I have no problem with him. I mean, I wasn't that into the show, whatever it was called. What was that show Mr. called? Mr. Robot. Thank you. That was fine. I mean, I watched season one season great. of it. Bohemian Rhapsody, like, he was the most fun part of that terrible movie. Um, so I have no problem with him, but 
there was something really, really off about the whole concept of this character and his performance and the makeup. I mean, I'll tell you one of the things that I still like this. And this is this is one of those things where if anyone else said this, I would tell them they were being pedantic and and nitpicking. But I'm going to say it. And so to me, it's the most important thing ever. He is four years older than Leia Sadu. So <laughs> he's like, I don't know, like his age. Yeah, when so was he, he 13 when he went <laughs> right. to kill her up? I mean, <laughs> he comes to murder her, yeah. a full grown ass man. And like, I was like, oh, I thought they were going to make a thing of it. Like, the poison means that like his cells in his face are exactly the same. And instead, they're like, no, this is just this is him. He's like 50 now, right? Right? Yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> First of all, she looked 26. He looks 27. I mean, that whole thing was so weird. Right. I was and like, this never... can't be the same fucking guy. No, but apparently it made no it is. sense. They yeah. look like they were barely out of college, both of them. And, and I don't know what, what kind of casting decisions that that is. Like, it, it's just weird because yeah, i i was fully not. expecting him to say that it was his father that rescued her and not him and right and then like they no. got raised together or something also what yeah, is and like her, how, what happened what her happened fucking secret her? right yeah her secret she writes down like i'm gonna let go of leon mosque and and it and he's like yeah i saved you and then fucking left and we've haven't seen each other since then and i'm like excuse I'm me i'm in love with you excuse me why is she I'm like oh the masked man is my dark secret no it's not you have so many other dark secrets we should be dealing with this you met this guy once this is so fucking weird i'm sure the mask is creepy but like there's got to be I other understand shit understand why it was a dark secret or why i mean who cares isn't what? that like let's assume it was a dark had... secret because he has no personality Let's assume that, right. that James and her had, like, you know, just gone to brunch, had some eggs Benedict, had, like, their second mimosa, and he was like, hey, remember you were going to tell me your dark secret? What would she have said to him? One time as a child, a man came to kill me, and I shot him, and then I fell into the water, and he saved me, and he wore a very disturbing-looking no-mask. And then he left immediately. Right. And then he's gone. And I don't know what the fuck. And he's just like, that's it. That's your, that's, I don't understand what the secret is. Like, that's just a fucking crazy story. Yeah. Like, you didn't have, you didn't do anything. Right. Like, You're like, I thought it was going to be like, and then we had a weird, torrid love affair for like four I know. Months. Like, what? Yeah. When, when I was nine years old and he was 13, like, God, <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> and the creepiest part, like, I, I mean, I couldn't understand if this was implicit or if this was just my brain, but were they kind of Im implying that he was a pedo or something? Because he kept talking about how beautiful her eyes were when she was like a child and how he was in love with her from that time period and that he owned her because right, which of is that weird because it's not like he's been like harassing her that. since then right he, yeah and then also he kept you know like having these creepy scenes with her daughter and and at first it was like oh yeah it's because he wants this to be his child and he wants to raise this little girl and all that but then right. I kept thinking, like, like, oh, maybe he wants that to be being... his bride. 
Yeah, like I I don't know. I really don't think that was Imprinting. that strong like implied, but there was something about it where I was like, is this what they want us to think? Because I'm not really getting that, but because he keeps going back to how in love he how how in how much he was in love with this little girl that he saved yeah i didn't the whole his whole character is a fucking nightmare um and also what is he german like no i mean why is his name lucifer like a hundred wise he's german with orientalist aesthetics well that's the other thing is i'm like okay all right um he's wearing a no mask and he's now wearing a it uh, I, i almost said kimono i know it's not a kimono I'm 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 an idiot and I'm ignorant as to what different kinds of uh you know period or I don't even know what he was wearing. I thought it was a it's ca- it's caftan. It was it's, it's, it looked, it's a robe. It very much had that uh, I'm going to this is so fucking reductive and I'm sorry but I'm very tired and I can't think of a better way to say it. It's definitely like samurai robe style, you know? And he's like on the ground well, to, to Kyle's at the point, table. I mean there's an orientalist aesthetic. Right, his, but his I character. couldn't figure out like are they trying to say he's Japanese? <laughs> Like that's not I don't, possible. I didn't get right? that. They're like, I didn't get that. his family has an island in the disputed territory between Russia and Japan, and I was like, oh, so he's he Russo Japanese? He's Hapa. Um, <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> see, what I thought and what had been like um, circulating on the forums and uh, a rumor that had been <laughs> I'm so happy that we're here. What are you talking about? Forums. forums like James like on um mi6.co.uk. <laughs> right, but wait, oh Robin, God, did you just freak. say fora I, like yes, the, like the, the plural of forum? Yes, I decided plural? that's the plural. No, I just, that's just oh. me being I dumb. love that you went but, there though and I'm going to love that forever and that's the favorite okay. thing that's ever happened on this podcast. <laughs> Go ahead, please. But what was being speculated was that because they had been they had reintroduced Blofeld as a part of this Daniel Craig universe that the next film that they would do is Doctor No, and that seemed like it was the answer when the no masks were being used and the orientist aesthetic and the whole like base um, in disputed Japanese Russia Russian territory, mm-hmm. and so when it turned out not to be him, I was like, "What?" I so that's that, funny because it's that, like it's the opposite of like the Benedict it. Cumberbatch is clearly Khan. It's like, oh, what oh, are these pronunciations today? I'm sorry, I'm, there's been a lot, and like, it's Fukunaga for the it's Fukunaga thank for you. the record. <laughs> I've been saying Fukunaga. Bill's the I, one I who's been I've fucking been saying, that one up. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I, I got I got Carrie's name right. I fucking nailed Fukunaga. I've I've been saying it correctly. I will stand up for that. I have fucked up every British name though. I haven't it's called Rafe. Daniel Craig it's Daniel Rafe. Craig. Yeah, though. it's Rafe Quizzleton. <laughs> I don't even want to. I'm sure that I've mispronounced <laughs> Sado or Sadu or whatever the hell it is. I've never heard her name say. Yeah, I've, I don't said, know. I've said it like six so. times because we've done so many podcasts no, on not movies her. I haven't heard her say her name. Oh, you haven't heard her say her name. Well, let's let's. At least uh, it's not like say ducks or something. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> went that far. As we all know, I'm a I'm f- fucking furious at the French because they'll have a six letter word and it will you'll only pronounce the first letter. <laughs> Like, like the, the Lamar, so, yeah, Lamar. <laughs> it's Lamar. No, no, it's not. I'm already giving up the S. I'm not giving up the N too. It's Lamar. <laughs> anyway, okay. there's Anna de Aramis. 
And why is his name Safin? I mean, you look at that word S-A-F-I-N and you don't think Safin. You it's think Safin. Safin. No, he, they kept saying Safin. I know, but that's what I'm saying. If it's, if it's, you don't if say it's Safin. F, it it's should Safin. be Safin. No. It's like Satin, Safin. but with an F. It's Safin. Safin. I'm correct. Safin. Oh, you know what? You know what's funny? I was just about to Google um, the etymology of the last name Safin to maybe get us some answers. Um, and uh, it says, like, the Google suggestions, Safin, Safin, no time to die. Safin, James Bond. And then after two or three other ones, which one of which is tennis, um, it says Safin, Dr. No. Hmm. So, yeah, apparently that was the thing. Safin. All right, I'm looking up the Safin. Yep. Safin was first found in Somerset, where they held a family seat as lords of the manor. This is like a Saxon fucking name. That is not a fucking Saxon name. That's what it's. It's saying. not Frankish. It's not Saxon. It's not Lombardic. Predominantly found in Europe, where 69 percent of Safin reside. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What's the origin? Is it really Anglo? I don't believe that. I don't know. Uh, the House of Names. This is a made-up character. Like, I'm trying to here? understand what Rami Malek is supposed to be playing. Yes, I think he's German. I don't know. Let's Who look cares? up Lutzifer. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck with that. Lutzifer. Yeah, his, his character doesn't even have like a, a Wikipedia entry, so I'm just over it. Just, um, I, I don't know. Now it's, I know your standards, Bill. He's not a yeah. great villain. His his he like wants to kill so Spectre because they killed his parents, but then also I guess just is like, hey, while I'm at it, why don't I kill the entire world? Yeah, and they're I don't know what growing nanobots is. in an acidic soup. Yes, hmm. the nanobots. The video game that I mentioned earlier, the nanobots are a, a crucial part of the plot of the um, game. 007 Everything or Nothing with Heidi Klum and Willem Dafoe. I'm sorry. Nice. Did you say Heidi Klum and Willem Dafoe? Yes, I did. Okay, please. Came out please 2004. Who are actors. they playing? Uh, Heidi Klum plays the mad scientist that ha- develops the <laughs> nanobots and Willem Dafoe plays the other villain who wants to use the nanobots to make an army, I think. I don't remember. I haven't played it in a long time. Um hmm. I am. That is okay. A, that, is, that is a shocking thing. And Maya thing. sings the theme song. It's a pretty good theme song. Is Maya still they, alive? They got yes. a, a theme song. I think so. That's yeah. Funny. I just I'm looked still it back up. on the Safin thing because now you know Google is one asshole is saying it's pre-Norman, which I don't believe. Someone else is saying it's Arabic, which I mean I could see it being more of like a Levantine or Semitic name, but like what the fuck. Russian? I, this thing says it's Russian. This it thing. Could be Russian. I think the game that I played that annoyed me was Agent Under Fire. I don't remember that. That's one. a good one. That's fun. Is, did that Very one have early. a multiplayer where you had like a rocket pack? Like, is that a thing that I'm remembering? Yes, right? Okay, so that's so. got to be the one. Yeah, every gun had tracer rounds, and you had to like the yep, bullets yep, moved yep. so slowly. That you had to lead a target by like 17 feet if he was running. Yeah. <laughs> um, I right. hated that game, but I got so good at playing around its quirks that I actually started playing it all the fucking time. Uh, see, my OG or the one that I was most fond of was Nightfire. 
Interesting. I mean, obviously, this this all like this goes without saying, but obviously, Goldeneye was the best, and we all love that one the most. But Agent Under Fire, I remember spending a weird amount of time with because it was on PS2 and the graphics were better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Not Fire was also on PS2. I liked the driving um, levels. It's like when people were suddenly like, "Oh, Perfect Dark." Mm-hmm. Remember Perfect Dark? Remember the twist in that video game is aliens. <laughs> mm-hmm. Anyway, that I don't, I'm not familiar with. Oh, you're not familiar. That was the Rareware game where that they made after like GoldenEye, and they were like, "Hey, we're gonna make our own proprietary one." And everyone was like, "This is fine. I'm gonna go back to playing GoldenEye." (laughs) (laughs) But they did a lot of Um, cool shit in it. Like you were able to like do cloaking, invisibility. You had a little suitcase gun that became a turret. So one thing that's happening right is that Robin is still looking for Saffin. Yes. Yeah, thank I'm you, like, thank you for reintroducing that. Okay. Is it Russian? No, we'll let you decide and figure. According it out. to Wikipedia, which I trust the most, click that. That's so there I, is a Marat yeah, Safin, a Russian tennis player. Because I just googled Safin Russian. This is what are we doing? I don't know. I don't know I'm why we're to continuing to talk this. about this. Trying to make sense of what? Who Rami Malik's character is? Yes. I feel like, what, the, why? Where is he in this geopolitical apparatus? I don't fucking know. So he must be from that island. His parents must have, his parents must be like Russian, but they're in that island that's in this disputed area and they're so close to Japan, they've decided they like the robes and the, the rock raking. What, right. what you really should be researching is how uh, what is what is the uh, uh, etymology or whatever etymology it's called of etymology of uh, pussy galore. Thank you. Figure that out and then let me know. That's because that's basically what this, like 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 that's basically what these names are like that's okay <laughs> but supposed to be uh, fucking in tantra I, I think that there's like a his between. his first name is is Lucifer it's not Lucifer it's Lucifer I know it's I know Lucifer. but it's 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 literally just fucking said it's like Lucifer like that's that's what it is like it's why Lucifer. would they give him that name I don't know. Give them um, that name so you could you could be like, oh, Lucifer. Billy Magnuson is in this movie. <laughs> There's someone yeah, called Money he's Penny. so good at being hateable. So good. Yeah. The great himbo. Okay. He is a, yes. he's, he's, um, yeah, he's perfect in this role. Um, I like that Daniel Craig throws him into the roof of a ship. There's another person named Paloma. Like, come on. Paloma's a fucking doing? name, Bill. Don't try. Paloma's <laughs> like a very common name. <laughs> don't don't say Paloma it like awesome. it's the same thing as Lucifer. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> they never say anything is the same as Lucifer. No, that's not butterfly. Paloma means pigeon, I think, or something. No, Paloma is butterfly, isn't it? No, that but, but, but Paloma's no, also that's... a fucking drink. Like, what are we doing? It's a grapefruit no. and tequila tipple. <laughs> yes, it's a cocktail. It's Mariposa a is butterfly. Oh, okay. that's right. So, oh, and so Papillon. I was thinking of Papillon. I'm sorry. Here's here's what's going on. So, oh, it's, it's Amazon a, bought. It's a dub. Bought, yeah. Uh, Eon, right? Is I'm that sorry, correct, what? Kyle? Yes. Yes. Yes, it is. What is? So Amazon bought Eon. Eon is the production company behind the James Bond franchise. Oh, they franchise. purchased Eon. I don't know how to say that any other way. I thought you were saying bot B-O-T. I was like, what Amazon bot are you talking 
talking about. <laughs> oh, I, wow. I, okay. Anyways, so that's one thing that's happening, which is the potential that this is no longer a film franchise because, you know, it, it doesn't necessarily have to be. Uh, they could have it be a TV series. Well, yeah, as Amazon. James Bond Jr. showed, you can definitely make a TV series out of the James Bond <laughs> but, name. But the other thing that I've heard is, so Disney has long held uh, Mickey Mouse as a continual copyright because of Steamboat Willie. And they continued to do this for a long, long time, way past... W- Whereas, like, why is Frankenstein in the public? Why is, uh, you know, Alexandra DeMoss's, uh, you know, books in the public domain, stuff like that, and not Mickey Mouse, which is similarly fucking old, right? And it's like, okay, how does that happen? And it's because of Disney, and they continuously pushed this kind of can down the line. And so there is this backlog of what is all the, of this. Can you, can you please go into more detail as to what the can is? Like, is it because they keep making stuff they with keep, him? No, they keep pushing back against the copyright saying that it's expired because a, yes, they keep making things with uh, Mickey Mouse, right? Who isn't mm-hmm. necessarily Steamboat Willie, but that's kind of what they keep doing. They they keep equating them, and so this is a long-standing like public domain copyright. When does it expire? Thing that's been happening with Disney, and apparently Disney is giving up the ghost, and they just are like, "Fuck it, you just can't make any merchandise that says Mickey Mouse." Like, how about that? Like, we'll, we'll just retain the name Mickey Mouse. And that means that on top of a lot of other things, Bond apparently is going to be up for uh, public domain within the next, I think it's like five or six years. Kyle, do you know anything about this? I am not aware of the public doma- domain debate, but I am aware that like, although Amazon has the option to play with what the... James Bond franchise looks like as far as distribution, they have said on the record that they are going to keep James Bond in theaters. Okay. But, uh, so, well, if the, the uh, apparently- if the, if the copyright lapses, I would like to announce <laughs> 2027, Brian J. Rowan's new novel, James Bond, Agent Under Fire. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, so I think I don't know how much Bond is directly like tied in like the name itself. I don't know if they because that was something that happened with uh, what is it? Uh, The original Casino Royale, right? That wasn't a Eon production, correct? Um, The the one that has. uh, Orson Welles in it, right? 1967. That was not an Eon production. That was MGM. That was that had like a lot of weird production issues. So my understanding is, as far as why Doctor No was the first Bond film to be uh, adapted to the screen, um, was that uh, Ian Fleming had sold the rights to do Casino Royale on TV in 1954 as part of like ABC t- ABC TV's. Uh, um, live play 
anthology series, um, Cinemax can't be right, but um, it was uh, Casino Royale. Casino Royale. Sorry, my I am having trouble enunciating today. <laughs> Casino Royale adaptation where James Bond is actually American. His name is Jimmy Bond and he's played by Barry Nelson. And then once. Oh, no. <laughs> after they. Um, so when Albert R. Cubby Broccoli and Harry Saltzman were in discussions with Ian Fleming to then like make a James Bond movie and potentially a series. Um, Casino Royale was therefore off the table because they just did not have the rights to that one. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the Casino Royale parody movie that came out in 1967 was done by other people. Uh, and it wasn't until they got the rights back to that specific novel much later, that they ended up doing it with Daniel Craig in 2006. Hmm. It was like a very fraught legal battle that I don't think they won until like the nineties or something. Damn. And, and it's interesting because I'm seeing Never Say Never Again with Sean Connery, directed yes. by Irvin Kirshner, yes. was also a non-Eon production, which yes. is interesting because Sean Connery is like the quintessential Bond. Right, right. Not only a non-Eon production, but also released in 1983, the same year that Octopussy with Roger Moore was released. Holy um, fuck. That, is also a, that. that also is like a legal battle thing because um, Ian Fleming had when he was uh, in talks to do a James Bond movie before he had talked to um, Broccoli and Saltzman, he had talked to someone else uh, doing Thunderball first. Um, and then that was, had been in development for a while, but ended up being scrapped. I don't remember the details. And so Thunderball was um, initially off the table, but then back on the table for Harry Saltzman and, and uh, Albert uh, Broccoli to do. And they did it with Sean Connery. But the guy who had initially been in conversation with Ian Fleming was pissed um, and then decided to do his own version in 1983 when he got the rights back to that novel. Mm -hmm. The James Bond movies are plagued or I think a really interesting example of of how copyright law works. I don't have that like thorough understanding, unfortunately, but I think like you could build a class around like the legal implications of how IP works in the US mm. and in the UK. Mm-hmm. This is really yeah. interesting. And it's interesting that also that they got Sean Connery to do it, as you were saying, because he's the quintessential James Bond. And he had quit after You You Only Live Twice because he wasn't being paid enough given like the amount of work that it took to do all the Bond movies. And he also didn't feel like he was being recognized enough for his hard work. And so he quit you you only the twice. They went with George Lazenby for Honor Majesty's on Her Majesty's Secret Service. He was initially signed on for like a three-picture deal, I think, but Lazenby stepped out and decided he didn't want to do it anymore. And they managed to get Daniel Craig back by giving him a very large paycheck, some of which he gave to charity. And then mm-hmm. that was his final one before they did Roger Moore. And I believe because he was aware of the conversations that were being had with the original guy who wanted to do Thunderball um, he decided to do that I think as a favor um, because he had been aware of those those discussions to initially adapt to Thunder- Thunderball hmm. I just I have to so, just hear the I've never seen Thunderball and no one ever talks about Thunderball so you just 
saying the words Thunderball, it just makes me think of train spotting, which is the only time uh, I've ever heard Thunderball even being like spoken aloud. Oh, a lot of people who who are into the Bond movies list Thunderball amongst the best ones. I have never cared for it. I, just I think, think like a- the beginning is is a lot of fun, but like there's a lot of underwater sequences and they are very they are poorly paced because it yeah. feels like the underwater sequences are in slow motion and so the movie feels an hour longer than it needs to be i just like it's you're you're like talking and all i can think obviously this is nothing to do with you it's all about train spotting but i just imagine you like holding a heroin needle about to shoot up a friend because i just have sick boy in my head being like goldfinger is better than dr no like both of them are a lot better than <laughs> diamonds are forever a judgment reflected in its relatively poor showing at the box office and a field in which, of course, Thunderball was a notable success. And I'm just like, <laughs> that's all I know Thunderball of. That's all I I'm got. I'm very impressed He's right now. Th- uh, yeah, was, why? What's, which part of what's happening? Mm, the accent. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Well, you watch train spotting enough. Not with my vague knowledge of the James Bond copyright issues. <laughs> I said it was very interesting. <laughs> yeah, she's interested by what you're doing, but she's impressed by what I'm doing. Anyway, my one man show, in which I play every I part like in train spotting. I feel like this is a rom com right now. I just like. Also, I've got. <laughs> I've got. I just. It just the 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 thing that I don't usually talk about James Bond. Like, my partner at the distillery, Arthur, he's like, what'd you think of the movie? And I was like, eh, the ending, eh, I didn't really like it. And he's like, but it's fucking James Bond. And I was like, yeah, but it's fucking James Bond. You gotta see it. And it just, again, like, I just, every time I think of James Bond, I now think of train spotting. And like, you know, he's always been lacking in moral fiber. It's like, but he knows a lot about Sean Connery. It's like, that's hardly a substitute. I just like, all James Bond talking in my head is wrapped up in train spotting. It's fair. Yeah, it's fair. I don't know. I do not have that relationship with train spotting, but I love that for you. I'm. I'm, I'm <laughs> thank you. I don't know how to respond. No, that to was that. a cruel thing to say. I know. That's, I love I, that. I do not mean it cruelly. I meant it sincerely. I do feel like I love that for you. Is is the oh bless your heart? <laughs> you know? Yeah, for bitches. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. Wow. I did not mean to be a bitch. No, it's okay. It's cool I love if it. you are. I mean, please be. It's fine. Please be yourself. <laughs> I just, you know, I have to admit, I I don't have tons of context for this. Um, you know, I'm really listening intently because I just don't know all of the nuances. I mean, did I think it was a, you know, a fun action movie? Yes, I enjoyed the visuals. I loved the title sequence. You know, there's a certain mystique to it that that I enjoyed. I even thought the nanobots were an interesting. Oh, sorry. Did you say that you liked the uh, the the uh, credit sequence? Yeah, I enjoyed it. Oh god, it this is wait, the worst wait, what? song. What? This is the worst. I can't wait. I can't tell the... if Kyle's reacting to me or Brian. Yeah, I don't I'm know. Either. Reacting to Brian. This is okay. the worst Bond song that I've ever heard. No, this no, this song no, is a fucking no. nightmare. This song is a no. boring. I can't believe. Did you like... not listen to the Sam Smith one? Oh, you know, I forgot about <laughs> the, the Sam, Sam Smith, Smith one. one. And this okay, is so bad. Here's the problem with it: is that I think I was so shocked. By the dream of the fisherman's wife style opening credits that I didn't even hear the song because I was like, there are so many women. This song, like, there are so many women ago? being pleasured by octopi on the screen right now. It's very uh, hard to uh, to focus on the song. No, this this song was a nightmare. I don't know who sang it. I just like it's so Billie Eilish. Billie Eilish. That's fantastic. I don't know who that is. Um, 
Fuck off. Yes, you do. Oh, oh, okay. No, I do. I am I am aware of Billie Eilish. I probably have heard her music because I scroll through TikTok, but I am not presently able to name a song. But anyway, I just it was boring. It was such like a I kept waiting for the point where the the sad like, you know, slow, whispery, would, like, bleed into, like, you know, a belted out, like, chorus, and it just never happened. And then it was over, and I was like, oh, well, if that's the energy we're starting Gold with. Finger. Yeah, <laughs> give me that's that. That's my, my husband's karaoke song. Give me fucking Skyfall. Give me, give me You Know My Name, you know? Just uh, do I, I like you know the my Jack White one. one. Ugh. That's really? the um, <laughs> wait. Which one is quantum. the Jack White? That's quantum. <laughs> that is quantum. That's another way to yeah. die from quantum. Yeah. Yeah, that one's fun. I have. Like, a, I, it feels like a ripoff of "You Know My Name." Like the riff is the same. That's fine though. That's a good thing to rip off. Unlike this one, which ripped off—I I don't know—a ghost of a Victorian <laughs> child. I mean, that's pretty much Billie Eilish. That's just Billie thing. Eilish. Yeah, yeah. yeah, this is more of a Billie Eilish song than it is a James Bond song, which I forgive it for. I think it's fine. I think mm. it works in the context of the film. I don't love it. Okay, but that's... I, I actually do like... I I really disliked it when I first heard it, but then I heard her do a live performance of it, and I think mm. the live performance is better than the studio cut. Interesting. That I is agree. that is possible. Uh, it, it, she's, she's got a lot more heart in in the performance of it than she does <laughs> in this recording. Well, I'll, I mean like that, but you know, you saying like it works in the context of the movie. I think that's another problem because I did not like this movie and I didn't like what it was doing. And so like <laughs> it doing that is like, Oh, and that's what I said. Like, ah, oh, fuck. Is this the energy we're bringing to this? Like, like fucking, you know, my name is uh Chris Cornell, just fucking ripping shit, you know, and there's exploding cards and guns that fire spades and stuff, and sure, I'm just like, that, that, hell yeah, that give it to me. Is great, and that, then that, yeah. Skyfall is like a mournful, like, oh, this is a dark, this is a dark James Bond. But you know, then Adele rips out with the when she says the word Skyfall, and I'm like, <laughs> oh, right, but there's power here, right? Like there, this is like some some heart and soul shit, and this one is just like, guys, we're all tired, you know, and we just need to, we just need to get fucking through this. And that's what the song is giving me. And that's what the movie's giving me. And then, oh, I thought about this 30 minutes ago and couldn't think of an organic way to put it in. Is James bombed a thing? Because mm. he's killed with missiles. He is exploded. He is bombed. Oh, no. I, I, was, I, was, I was waiting to see if that was a mispronunciation. No, it's or James. If that was, he, he gets we, James We've been really fucking bombed. up words in this. In this. But uh, no, that's bad. I need to like get an illegal rip of this movie and take a, a frame of like that. You know how like they kind of show the flames overtaking him? I need that moment, and then I need to just write James Bombed will return in. Anyway, uh, I got to make. I mean, okay, my only frame of reference for a Bond song, really, or like the sequence, was the Madonna one from (laughs) from Another Day. Thank you, thank you, because I always forget what it's called, and I just call the Halle Berry movie. But yeah, that was that. That's my only reference to it and so yeah i enjoyed this sequence like i thought it was fun i thought it was fluid hallucinogenic uh i i don't really remember the music per se i i I would i would tell you robin you should like if if that's fun for you you should just google like the opening sequences of all these films like that that is the one thing that like 
on, on top of the cars, the girls, the locations, and blah, 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 blah. It is the theme song, and it is those opening credit titles. Yeah, uh, I don't... You know, which is kind of a throwback as well mm-hmm. that they've kind of kept doing. Uh, but yeah, no, they're, they're a lot of fun, and they're, they're kind of like Saul Bassey in their way. I think they actually maybe... Uh, are earlier than him, maybe? I don't know. Uh, uh, it's contemporary. It's Maurice Bender. Okay, nice. There you go. So, yeah. I, because oh, we are have you a talking about Are you here. talking about this, this one in particular, or are you talking uh, about the original? The originals were done by primarily Maurice Bender, although Robert Brown okay. did uh, from Russia with Love and Goldfinger. And then okay. it switched over to Daniel Kleinman in 95. And he's been doing them ever since, with the exception of Quantum of Solace, which was done by MK12, which is Mark Forster's like um, uh, digital company or, or visual effects huh. company. And I know that not only because um, I am a Bond fan, but also I made fun of the um, main title sequence of Quantum of Solace on Twitter when it came out and they um, replied at me. Wow. What did they say? <laughs> I th- I think they just like were like thanks for talking about our work. And they said oh. something very snarky. Okay. Um so I re- so like Goldeneye was great. I enjoyed Goldeneye. I I remember Tomorrow Never Dies being that's the one where it's like the weird Rupert Murdoch guy, right? Where he's like I'm a yeah. Business, yeah. I'm a news Jonathan guy and I'm going to start a fucking war with China to get some news going. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that one I remember being kind of okay. I I remember liking Speaking of train spotting, the world is not enough, right? Because that's got yes. fucking Robert Carlyle in it. So good. I liked that one. You know, yeah. well, the world is not enough. It has uh, the garbage song. Yes. Well, no. Uh, okay. Well, sure. But it also <laughs> has. Um, why can't I think of her name? Denise uh, Richards. Sophie Marcel. There you go. D- yeah, Denise Richards. All of the hot people. John Christmas please. comes is comes she? more than once. No, I, I thought Christmas only comes once a year. There you yeah. go. There you yeah. go. Wait, is that really a line from? The yes, because yeah, her name is yeah, Christmas yeah. Jones, and he's and Doctor Christmas Jones. Doctor Christmas Jones, and I don't, you know, something about don't say any jokes. And he's like, I don't know any doctor jokes, and she's like, Oh, I like you, Mister Bond. Um, so I think at that point she still thinks he's some Swiss dude from like a nuclear regulatory agency. Um, but then, yeah, at the end when they're banging. <laughs> He's his his like sign off line is I thought Christmas only comes once a year. Jesus Christ! But anyway, that's a good movie. I like that one. Uh, you know the 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 hot evil woman uh, hates M and wants her to die. I think because of uh, something involving her father's kidnapping or her kidnapping, and her dad wouldn't pay. Know. Anyway, clearly know. I've got to go back and then die another day. I think was just so bad that like they stopped making them. <laughs> I like Die Another Day. I, I have a I, I like J, uh, um, Die Another Day because it's a cartoon it's like right. the most cartoonish Bond film but like so Goldeneye was 2 hours and 10 minutes Tomorrow Never Dies was 159 and then well, The World Is Not Enough was 2.8 I mean like these were these were good solid short ish for an action movie action movies mm-hmm. yeah yeah, they don't, they don't have a lot a to bloated, like. <laughs> lumbering, fucking awful two hours and 43 minutes. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> How, let's see here. So what is what is Casino? 
Speaking of which, we got another 47 minutes to go to get to no. the yeah, casinos. <laughs> casinos 144, so that's an so hour and 24 minutes. Yes. Yeah. Which even that one, I would say, like you can kind of feel at a certain point where it's like we've got it. We we should have ended by now, but unfortunately, we have some stuff to do. Yeah the the entire sequence once he recovers from getting his balls smashed, like that sequence. You're like <laughs> the you're movie like, should oh, end wow. two seconds after his balls getting smashed, and then he wakes up in some Swiss lodge, and you're just like, okay. And then they're like, here's your winnings, and it's like, okay. And it's like, hey, we're and in then Venice. It keeps it's going. Like, All right. <laughs> yes it's it's it keeps saying yes and and then it's like hey here's mr white and you're like okay there's okay so if people are on tiktok one of my favorite things on tiktok is a guy it's a sound when a guy is watching someone cutting a pizza and he's like "Ooh, pizza like give me a slice and then the person just keeps cutting the pizza and so the guy is like okay that's it's it's enough slices and that gets remixed into a whole bunch of other stuff. And I feel like that's the ending of Casino Royale. Is just at a certain point, you're like, that's enough fucking slices. Brian, is TikTok your main social media? <laughs> no, I think my I main think social so. media is Instagram. I don't think of TikTok as social media is is a is another thing. What? I don't... That is like factually incorrect. No, I think of TikTok <laughs> more as like uh, a content mill. Like I don't that's, know, that's do people so have sad. like Media friendships? People interact. Yeah, TikTok? people inter people interact on TikTok. I don't know that's, because that's what it is. So TikTok is interesting. TikTok trip 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 is is interesting. Drib drab. So the thing about TikTok is, yes, there are certain people who do it very confessional and they're like, hey, it's it's you know it's Bobby and I'm here to make another apple cider and tell you about my life. Um, but then there are other people who are like, I'm a skit machine. I'm making some fucking magic. Like it's it. There is a line between performance and actuality. And like, sure, maybe like even the people who are performing will get into the comments and say like, oh my God, thank you so much. You guys are the best. You're why I do this. Go to my Patreon. Um, but like, I don't think that people substantially go to TikTok to know what is up with their friends. I think that the people who oh, use no. TikTok probably use Snap as their social yeah, but media. Not all social medias are or whatever social media companies want that to be the main source like you don't go to twitter necessarily to find out how your friends are doing you go no, but there i go to there specifically opinions. to find out the opinions and thoughts of the people around TikTok, me. baby no because again like sometimes tiktok is just a guy who's really good at throwing a ping pong ball into a beer bottle from 40 yards away and i don't know what that guy thinks about you know the abortion debate or anything, you know. I just know that he's going to hit that damn ping pong. Yeah, but every social media um, company or platform has its own. So, do you think YouTube purpose. is a social media platform? Yes, I do. Okay, that's. I we think. I think we just have fundamentally different opinions about what the term social media means, and we don't have time to get into that. Maybe next week. What are we talking about next week? No, don't answer. That is when the show ends. <laughs> Okay. Let's, well, I think whatever this, it is, the show we is will ended. We, we, <laughs> fucking Hamilton, man. No, no, this is totally. So, if James Bond was on TikTok, what do you no, think his filter would be? Hamilton, Kyle? Hamilton, Hamilton. <laughs> Get me out of here. This is a nightmare. Kyle Turner, what would James Bond's favorite <laughs> filter be? Would it be the autumn look? Would it be the slow zoom? Um, I think it would be the devil look because I think he is he, he has a sense of humor. The okay. movies may not, but I think he does. 
I gotcha. All he's, right. got, he's got all those quips. He does have he the quips. A, he had he had a good quip in this one. Oh, the the thing about the watch blowing someone's mind. Yes. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> the, the man. The man. That, that who, motherfucker kept kept getting back. I thought when his head was smashed against a wall, a like a stone wall. Right, like I thought he was dead. Times, immediately, I was like, "Oh, this guy's done." It's like, "Oh, we've already and killed the nope. dude with the weird face," and it's like, "Nope, he's gonna come back." Yeah. And yeah. his eyes just gonna keep right. I thought around. I thought he just had like the crazy eyes, but no, he had a lit- like a crazy eye because it was a bionic eye, <laughs> and he had the same terrible haircut for over five years. <laughs> None of these people changed their looks. That's okay. Anyway, do we is have any anything? final thoughts on this? Is there anything we haven't talked about? Uh, Q is a is a at least bisexual, possibly gay. We know that now. I love that. For, I, I love that so much. Honestly, I think it's very sweet. Yeah, I thought it was so I kind of funny. missed that. Like I, I read later that there was some kind of like um, subtle coming out or something, but I just totally I couldn't even head. remember if it was a thing that had already been established. I just thought it was funny that like he's he's like this nebbish kind of like wilting retiring guy, but he's like, I'm going to make this fucking meal for this guy who I'm really yeah. into. And then fucking James bought him money. Petty strolling like, fuck you and your plans. We got to save the world. I like that. I like, yeah. I, I recognize and I am, I'm aware that that representation in these big budget Hollywood movies is, um, has a dubiousness about it, but I like Ben Wish- Wishaw, and I want good things for him. And I think it's very funny that they made Q like queer. Yeah, no, I mean, mm-hmm. like it's this, there's there's like there is the things of like the Star Wars where it's like, hey, there's going to be two women kissing, like sort of in the background for half a second. I think this is like as much as these movies are like willing to do, like this is the best way to do it because it like adds to the character, not just in his queerness, but also like as a character, as all. Yeah, people's and romances is, too. Yeah. <laughs> like you this know, this has followed. This has been a through line since his introduction. Yeah, yeah. Um, what was I gonna say? Uh, it was something else. I don't think it really matters. I liked that part. Nanobots. Let's get the fuck out of here. Yeah, yeah. If no one has anything else to say, I feel like uh, I feel like Bill is correct. We should get the fuck out of here. Um, so that is it. Those are our thoughts on No Time to Die, um, which is a hilariously ironic title because uh, at the end of this movie, when there's no more time, James Bond dies. Robin Barr, what are we talking about next week? Well, I think that's still up in the air, but we're probably probably going to do The Last Duel, I think. Interesting. Yep. Um, I, think so. I think that's what was finally decided. Cool. I am uh, I am I am I am cautiously optimistic about that movie. It's got a great cast. Would be. It's what do you mean of course I would be? Oh, I love the Rashomon rape movies. Is <laughs> All right, what? I was I was going to say Nicole Olive Center, but okay. One of those. You know, if the if if Hall Center wants to write a Rashomon rate movie, that's fine with me. Um I'd also like to know why duels stopped because I wish I could still duel. And this is apparently the last one ever. No, Maybe. no one's Eagle. even going to give me a courtesy laugh. That's fine. All right. So we're probably talking about the last duel. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be weird the rest of the, like, I don't know, the rest of the year uh, because of um, timing and release dates and COVID risks and blah, blah, blah. 
So you're going to have to bear with us. If we say we're going to do something and then accidentally, accidentally, uh, suddenly we don't do it, it's because of all that. So mm-hmm. sorry about that. Um, so yeah, join us next week for The Last Duel. Uh, until then, don't forget to go to patreon.com slash the film stage show to give us your money. And also, don't miss Ryosuke Hamaguchi's Wheel of Fortune and Fantasy opening this Friday, October 15th in New York and Los Angeles and expanding soon to theaters across the country. Learn more at filmmovement.com. And so that's that. Uh, so we can tell the fine people at home where we can be found between now and the next time we're in the news, and then we can uh, all go and take a well-deserved sleep. So let's begin with our guest, Kyle Turner. First of all, thank you for being here. and Thank for you so much this. for having me. This was so much fun. Awesome. I'm glad to hear that. Would you like to tell people where they can find your work online? Uh, you can find me online at Tyle Kerner, T-Y-L-E-K-U-R-N-E-R. It's just just murderism of my name because I'm very creative. Um, at tilekerner.com. you can that's where you can find my work. I freelance around. Um, I believe by the time this comes out, I may have a new essay about Andrew Haig's Weekend, um, the film from 2011. And yeah, um, and and that is also my handle on Instagram and Twitter, where you can go harass me. Literally asking for it. I have okay. already been harassed by Kyle oh, I'm so sorry. on Twitter tonight. <laughs> I'm sorry, like during this episode? Oh, during this episode. Oh, yes. Yes, I did. Oh, did you tweet out the you... thing you said you were going to tweet out? I did. Yes. I did. Oh, my and... God. I love <laughs> it. I got pinged, which is lovely, but it's great. Um, I appreciate that. My favorite okay. thing is when... My favorite thing is when like we do things that affect the real world while we are doing this podcast uh, because it's always funny to me. I don't know why. I always like, you know, when I stop and I'm like, I'm tweeting it out. I'm tweeting it right now. And then I do it. And then I just imagine someone reading the tweet and going, what the fuck? And then listening to the podcast and being like, hey, it's like time travel. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Although I do, if anyone is able to edit this, I would prefer the word harangue be used. You can go harangue me on Twitter. I think harass has a little bit of baggage. <laughs> you can, yes, remember, haranguing is fine. Harassing is not great. Yeah. Right. We will, we will come up with a, a cute little rhyme to remind people of that. Or a mnemonic. Yes. Uh, Kyle and I will work on that, and we will release it together, and it will be incredible. All right. Uh, Bill Graham, what about you? Where can people harangue, harass, or otherwise interact with you in a uh, in a way on online? What about her ass? Oh, for fucking Christ's sake, Bill. <laughs> uh, it's a James Bond movie. I can't help it. Um, anyways, uh, you can find me on Twitter at CableBFG. You can find me on Instagram at Billstagram. That is another social media platform. Uh, and Agreed. you can... <laughs> Also find me on Slack, which has turned into a mini social media platform in some ways. Uh, that's also work related. Uh, but yeah, you can find me on Slack, always mixing it up, uh, having a lot of fun, uh, grilling Boris about his weird fucking opinions. <laughs> Mm, I love grilled Boris. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, man. Uh, I feel like there should probably be a joke because, like, there's a guy in this movie who's, like, comically Russian and gets thrown into a pool of nanobot acid and dies screaming. Is that, like, a grilled Boris thing? I think comically Russian is the perfect way to put it. He's, He's giving Alan Cumming in Goldeneye. Yeah. 
And I was just like, this guy has never even seen Russia on a map. And uh, I'm sure that he actually probably is Russian, but I just don't care. Super racist at the end, too. Just a real piece of shit. Anyway. He has a big role. I'm surprised that we didn't talk about him more. Yeah. There's, you know, like... I feel like we barely gave any time to James Bond having a fucking kid, you know? Like, I feel like we just Well, yeah, the next franchise has to be Matilde Swan. Right, it's James Bond Jr. (laughs) Matilde Swan. Matilde Swan. It doesn't really go well. What if her name was Swan Bond? (laughs) James Uh, Swan? Get the fuck out of here. (laughs) It's so bad. Like, they didn't think this through. No, it's terrible. All right. Uh, uh, Robin Robin Barr, not Bond. Robin Barr, where can people yes. find you online? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at R-O-B-Y-N-B-A-H-R. I'm also on Letterboxd. And I'm also on Reddit, but you'll never fucking find me. Damn. All right. As for myself, uh, I can be found on all of the social medias at Brian J. Rowan. Uh, my TikTok user handle is not Brian J. Rowan because it's not social media. Anyway, mm. uh, my personal site, BrianJRowan.com. Uh, go to SchmidtSpirits.com to learn more about the whiskey that I make, the gin that I make, and the art show that I'm throwing. And uh, don't forget to go to uh, the Film Stage Show, where you can uh, hear every episode of this podcast that's ever been produced and find even more of my writing. So ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us and tune in next time. <laughs> <laughs>